Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the new media show. And I will prepare you. This will probably be a monumentous, long one. (laughs) 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 And uh, good morning, Rob. Uh, Welcome to the show. Good morning, Todd. It's uh, it. There's a lot to talk about. That's for sure. So you're exactly right. You know, it's it's how long long winded we're going to be today is the is is the real question. But we're also going to have a guest too. We're going to have a. A guy who's been around the radio industry for a long time for Radio Inc., who's the editor of Radio Inc., um, is going to join us at uh, 30 minutes past the hour here. And, and yeah, and weigh in on the radio side. <laughs> yes, which seems to be generating some curiosity on the podcasting side about, um, you know, how involved they're going to be in the podcasting space going yeah. forward. And, and I'm really more referring to the commercial radio side. Yep. Um, so it'll be interesting to get that perspective. He's a journalist on the radio side and he spent the whole time at podcast movement. So, um, I'm sure he's got some interesting observations as he looks at, um, both worlds. Well, I, I had a, um, it's kind of this morning I was getting the show ready and I was reviewing Facebook and Jeff Hines, one of our team members at Blueberry, he had posted, he's a big MTV history buff. And he posted the first five minutes of, uh, MTV being on the, on the air and the first lead off video that MTV launched with was that a uh, video killed the radio star. And do you remember in the early days of podcasting, yeah. how it was podcasting will kill the radio star kind of a pun on the MTV launch. So I yeah. think it's, I think it's appropriate to start out <laughs> today. I think we'll save the radio stuff for later, but um, obviously when he comes in, but uh, I, I guess just initially let's, I, I, we didn't plan like normal, but let's like talk about some takeaways from from yeah. podcast movement. What uh, what I know there was a lot of back back channel chatter, um, uh, more than normal, and uh, maybe we can say that for just a little bit. But what was your what was your initial takeaway? Well, I mean, I think from a positive perspective, I mean, it was certainly an exciting event. Uh, certainly. Um, is a great cross section of the podcasting space and industry, and and felt that uh, that you know more people showing up to podcast movement is is always a good thing. Um, it it just presents more opportunities for for us to see where the industry is today and and how things are progressing. Uh, you know what the what the makeup of the of the community looks like. Uh, there's so many factors that go into making making an assessment on that that event. But the bigger picture is, is that things are on the upside. Things are growing. Um, things are, are, um, seem to be developing in a real positive direction. Um, now granted with that always comes some, some friction and some challenges and some things that, uh, um, are bubbling up behind the scenes and kind of also right out there in plain view too. So it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting contrast. You know, I know I'm actually in the middle of uh, trying to write an article, about um, kind of my observations of where the podcasting space is today and and how we're seeing it in the context of history. and Because I think a lot of people in the podcasting space, are especially a lot of the newer people, don't really um, know of or understand the history of this medium. And, and like you were alluding to at the beginning of the show, Todd, there's, <clears throat> there's a um, long-running um, kind of, I guess, a anti-radio kind of culture in this medium 
And so that's what we're going to explore a little bit today on the show, and it's going to be interesting. But I, I thought overall it was a really great event. Um, there was some structural things with the event that we can talk about too, but that were a little bit challenging, I think, for this year's event. But sometimes those things are just not in your control. Yeah, you know, I, I look at um, – and I think Mike Dell and I, we, we, we talked about this a little bit on Friday, and, I you know, the mix of – well, getting the mic jacked up here. Uh, the mix of men to women were – it looked pretty close to being 50-50. Yeah. And then the – and then the – just the diversity of the group, too, uh, was pretty wide. So I'm – you know, I'm pretty uh, – you know, compared to the early days when it was a sea of white guys, you know, <laughs> yeah, and right. um, bunch so, of geeks. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, it truly was. Um, so that to me, and I think that's been way, that way for the last couple of years. But um, yeah. I'm I'm real happy with the uh, with with that element for sure. Um, definitely, uh, you know, just from a feedback standpoint, I know Dan's probably going to be listening to this. Definitely want that third day on the trade show floor or at least half yeah. a day on the third day. I think I'd vote for that on a, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. looking at the, I think they need, you know, they're, this is growing. If they go to 3000 people, um, or let's say 3,500 for Orlando next year in August, the, just the base meeting, just the base session rooms are going to have to get bigger because, yeah, yeah. You know, the, I I was watching because I kept walking away from the from the booth, and I was looking in the rooms. And to a to a session, the at least in the area we were in for the trade show area, where I could just go do a quick peek. Those rooms were packed wall to wall almost every session. Yeah, and uh, I know mine was, and then even upstairs, and when we did the po- state of the podcast, those were rooms were packed wall to wall. Um, you know, there was on Thursday, they maybe not as many on some of the sessions, but overall, um, it was good. Now the AC in that building sucked, you know, it, uh, let's just, this should be Frank and that's not any fault of, of, of Dan and the team. That's just because the venue, uh, it was high humidity there and it just couldn't keep up with the heat sink of 2,500 people in that building. So, uh. Um, I think that'll, you know, it, it, one thing about Orlando, they're used to a uh, hundred degree, 90% humidity. So I can almost assure you that the AC will not be an issue in Florida. Yeah. If anything, um, you know, I mean, members of the speaker team don't enjoy the AC part. <laughs> it's it's like, it it's unnatural to them because they're not used to having AC back in, back in Europe. So well, well, it's, I don't it's, have, yeah. I don't have it here, but I don't deal with the humidity. I've got a wall in it. I know, exactly. I don't yeah. deal with the humidity. You know, the humidity was the was was the butt kicker. Yeah. No, it was really, really strange to have that much that much humidity that far north, right? It's it's really an unusual thing. Yeah. So I, I think that the you know I'm just looking to I, I don't know how much and we'll have to find out from the from uh, our guest when he joins us here in a few minutes, what his take was on how many of the radio people cross cross pollinated into the other sessions. Now um, I was keeping a close eye on badges and um, 
what I did see was uh, a lot of independent podcasters coming around and, and talking, but boy, I, I did not, I did not to a one see a single uh, radio person stop by the booth. Not a, not a single one at least talked to us. Yeah. So, um, you know, that to, to me was like a hmm moment. Well, I think they kind of stayed up there with their kind of session track and things like that. And, and, and we can certainly talk about that part, but I think that was a, that was a little bit of a structural thing that I, I was referring to earlier is, is that, you know, that community tends to stay together with, with themselves because they know each other and, and it's, uh, it, and it kind of created a, a little bit of a divide at the event. It, it was like the, the broadcasters meet podcasters track, but I, but I think there maybe wasn't a lot of broadcasters meeting podcasters going on, but that's just my, my, my take on it. But to be real positive about it, I, I thought that those sessions were interesting and exciting and what they were doing, um, was almost like a radio production. You know, they had their own kind of like announcer and, and they'd play music b- between the sessions. And in the podcasting side, it was like, you know, complete dead silence between sessions. People would just wander in and out. It's completely different kind of yeah. vibe and feel to the radio side of podcast movement. It was almost like a radio production. <laughs> so one thing I will say too, is that um, I got wind of and was told of uh, numerous, very private events that were held. Um, that were, um, it, it, yeah. it, well, they were exclusive um, you had to be part of the little group in order to attend, uh, dinners and presentations and, uh, live podcast, a uh, number of those events happened that were, um, very invite only to a very exclusive club. And that, mm-hmm. that is something that has never happened at podcasts, at least not that I'm aware of at podcast movements before everything has been very open and people have, you know, group get togethers, but that. I think the the East Coast team the and the the media companies uh, really did not participate in at least saw a few of them maybe around the bar, but they all definitely went off to do their own evening yeah. thing with their groups. But that's that's very common um, with that community. They they do that at NAB and and other events around the country too. So. Um, that is just just a practice that they've that they do they they kind of like those exclusive kind of clubs or groupings and that they feel safe with i guess or they and and it does create a different culture and i think that's that's what's really happening here kind of if you look at the 30,000 foot view is that there's still a divide between the podcasters independent podcasters and the the big media or radio side that um it, it they just approach things differently than yeah. than the independent podcaster has all these years. And, and it has been, you know, it's a cultural difference. It's a cultural philosophical difference. And, and that's what I'm hoping to dive into a little bit deeper with, uh, you know, with Ed here is just to find out, you know, from a business perspective and from kind of a social perspective, um, how these two sides kind of um, differ. And is there ever really... Todd going to be any overlap here or are we going to be stuck with this divide between the independents and the, the larger media companies, uh, or the, 
the radio groups, I get a sense that the radio folks are just going to next year are just going to come in and try and just dominate the whole thing is the impression I'm getting. Um, well, and I, I'm not, I'm not sure that that's good or bad or indifferent. I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying that the, I, I think that's the direction. Cause you, you kind of saw it a little bit, what was happening at the event this year. Well, um, I think it's moving that way. I think Dan, he even kind of indicated an email that he was under some pressure and he reassured me and and maybe I shouldn't be even saying this. I apologize, Dan, if I'm speaking out of turn. But you know, Dan said that he understands the independent community. He appreciates the independent community, and this event is going to have a heavy focus on in the independent community. But I know he is under pressure somewhat yeah. by his, and I don't know know by who. But you know, one thing you know that we saw this year that we've never. I mean, you know, I, I look at back at the parties that us and Libsyn had in the early years and we'd, <laughs> we'd spend like 10 grand and have a suite in a bar. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. th those were the you know kind of these big blowout parties. We'd have 300 people in a room that could fit 50 and, um, yeah. you know, probably should have got done by, shut down by the fire marshal and the whole nine yards. But the cast well, some box, of them got, got shut down by the police. <laughs> right. As I recall. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you look at the cast yeah. box party they threw at the Reading street market was probably the biggest patch that I've ever seen at a, at a podcast movement. What do you think they spent? hundred, 150,000. Yeah. I, that's, that's a number that I heard thrown around was about 150,000. Um, Boy, it's, VC it's amazing it, about actually venture capital money. Man, when you're partying on venture capital, it's uh, that's the way to do it. But you know, they threw on a big party. But you know, and the Castbox team were, we were talking a lot at the event, and they're a nice group. Uh, we talked at length sure. about the issue that they had uh, a month and a half ago or so, or a month ago, and yeah. um, so they were full court press talking with me and others. But one thing it just, you know, that I, the party was fantastic and we have to applaud them for that party, but they had a VIP room and the, and while I understand the concept that the owners and the business and the folks can go in and, you know, have a little separate area to, and it was, it was kind of right off one of the main dance floors. But to me, again, it was that exclusive club type of thing where you, some people go in the VIP and something. And so if I had any advice to cast box, no VIP area next year, if you do another party, you know, um, be inclusive, be completely open. Doesn't look like there's a separate little, and I don't think anybody paid any attention, but for me, it's just those little things that I see that yeah, right. based on how the community has came up, um, you know, that's my free consulting advice for the day. <laughs> Yeah, but overall, I'm gonna applaud them. I mean, they put together one heck of a party because you could be up where the music is, rocking, and then you could walk to the other side of Reading Street Market and actually have a conversation in yeah. a normal tone. Well, speaking <sighs> of that topic, Todd, do you want to talk about the the music aspect of the of the events? <laughs> I, if I ever run an event, yeah. there'll be a guy playing a guitar at these meetups. Yeah. I, day, Monday, just based upon that many people in that building, the the noise yeah. level was so high you had to speak high enough as it is. And you get yeah. into another room and you get 1,000, 1,500 people and you have loud music. 
I, I almost lost my voice in the second day because I had to, at the yeah, evening events, here. almost yell to talk to someone. Yeah. So yeah. It, it drives me, we yeah. we talk about this every, every year. It drives me crazy that, well, they, Todd, that for, we can't get this right. I mean, for many years, uh, it wasn't an issue. Right. And for some reason, this year it came back. Oh, um, just. It was so loud. I'm still, I'm still trying to recover my voice. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It was so loud. Yeah. I mean, cause you go there because you want to network with people and you want to meet people and you want to talk about the medium and, and all that stuff. And it makes it really hard to, to, to do that, especially <laughs> the next day. If you do like two or three, um, presentations or sessions, I mean, it's risky for you to lose your voice. So yeah. you have to yeah. choose, are you going to talk to other people or are you going to, present your session true um and i don't really like making that choice because that's not why i'm there i think evo says something interesting here in chat he says but if we're being genuine we keep that divide as real as they do and we have our own divides within podcasting i yeah no i uh, i don't know we're 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 all hanging intermixing i i don't think yeah. they're i think we're all doing a pretty good job of of, of t attempting to do that when people are open to yeah. discussions, you know, I think there was a lot of co-mingling per yeah. se. Well, Todd, I think it, it begs the question. I mean, is this just a temporary, um, thing that we're seeing where, where there's this necessity to have this separate track that's, um, podcasters meet broadcasters concept, right? Um, that feels like a transitionary step. That doesn't feel like the, the ultimate destination of, um, this industry coming together and, and spending time all together, um, irregardless of the size of the company or the size of the podcaster, as far as, um, audience or popularity or brand or anything like that. I mean, what, what, what what's your thought? I think it's just a temporary thing that we're going to see this divide. Well, eventually. I, it's all going to blend together. Right? I, it, maybe, you know, I, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm still not completely positive on the, on the radio folks and we'll get into that deeper. Yeah. Um, because a couple of them I talked to, they still don't get it. And it's, um, it's about, well, well, what don't they get? Todd? Okay. Let's, radio, let's radio, radio is like this. It's control. It's That's, control. Well, it's exclusivity. It's exclusive. It's, it's control. There's, it's, right. you, yeah. you have, you can't just do anything and podcasting is open. And so there is a clash there. Where of culture, of culture, culture clash for sure, and yeah. um, and there's a certain, and I don't know if I saw any of this displayed or not, but I've seen it at other events because uh, again, I didn't interact with very many radio folks. Um, yeah. the one guy I did interact with was hammered, <laughs> well, and, and I had to laugh because I walked up and I just, you know, I saw this group and I said, Hey guys, introduce myself, and who are you? <laughs> Well, I'm, you know, explain who I am. How long you've been podcasting? I told him, oh, wow. And it was a long time ago. And, you know, and, and, and then the one guy started talking about uh, MTV and Adam Curry. I said, yeah, Adam Curry's a friend of mine. And he was, ah, you know, when, it, you know, when, you know, I'm like, well, Adam's a friend with a lot of people here. You know, this is his, this is his people, even though he doesn't come to the events, this is, you know, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. so it was an interesting, you know, and I, so I actually did a, like a 10 minute podcast history lesson, right? Podcast movement needs 
a podcast history track. I mean, for, well, maybe an hour and do an hour overview every year of the history of podcasting. There needs to be a session for that um, because, uh, and maybe that's what I'll submit next year. I'm giving away my, my track idea. Um, it, it just, people don't know. They, they don't, they don't know anymore uh, where we've come, come from and the hurdles and the battles and the, you know, maybe they don't need to know, but I think the history of this space is, is becoming more and more important. Here comes our, our next guest. Well, that's a good start. <laughs> All right. I think your audio is settled down. Yeah. Hey, good good morning. Welcome to the show. You guys hear me all right? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Good morning, Ed. From Big Bad Radio. Yeah. Hey, Ed, welcome. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks yeah, for having so, me. Appreciate it. So, Ed Ryan from Radio Inc. Magazine has been, been, um, been involved in the radio industry for many, many years and, um, and basically covers the radio industry every day. That's his full-time gig and... And, um, and I, I would say that the radio Inc magazine has really kind of been the leading publication for the radio industry for what, 30 years now. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe 46. I'm wrong. Yep. 46 years. 46 years. Okay. Tw- yeah. 26, 26, 26. Okay. Well, that's, that's plenty. <laughs> well, well, Ed, we were just, uh, you know, we were kind of doing an overview of, uh, for podcast movement. And I, I think maybe from what we'd like to do is get your perspective on what you saw and just kind of the high, the high end takeaways. And then we can kind of dig into some of the stuff that you saw on the radio side. Well, the first thing, Todd, I, w- I want to thank you guys for having me on. The second thing I wanted to mention was I wasn't the guy that you saw that was hammered talking about Adam Kirk. <laughs> no, you were not. <laughs> just to clear that up. That wasn't me. You, it wasn't and you. I, no, and, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> I have to say, I'm, I was um, I'm a little taken aback by how it, it seems like people were frightened by the radio people that, that were at the show. So um, the first half hour when you guys were chatting about it, so that that, that I didn't I didn't notice that when I was there, but um, oh, I don't think maybe, they maybe I missed it. I don't think they were frightened per se. I, I I don't think I had that takeaway. Did you, Rob? No, no. It's just it's you know Ed. I think it's just a uh, it's people that they know. Right. And, and I think they just, um, have a different approach to events and how they, they, um, kind of socially connect uh, with each other. That's different than the culture of podcasting. Right. Um, and I think it's just a, it's just a difference in, in approach and, um, and yeah, so I was hoping to get kind of, kind of your take on what you saw really at, at the podcaster meet, um, broadcasters track and just kind of get your, your feeling of what they, what the radio people are, are thinking about when they come to podcast movement and, and what do you think, did you see any differences compared to a typical radio event? 
Well, uh, it was nice to see so many radio people attend, attending the show. And um, mm-hmm. I, I did see a few, Rob, uh, Todd, you mentioned before, did you see any in the other, you didn't really see too many in the other tracks. I, I ran into a few that I knew in some of the other tracks, but certainly not as many as in the Jacobs tracks, which I think, you know, they were specifically intended for the radio folks, which is probably why mm-hmm. the majority of, of the, those folks were there. But um, I guess the, the, the biggest takeaway that I got from the show was you had Westwood there and you have uh, Beasley there in a big way. Who, uh, that company's about to launch its own uh, podcast uh, initiative later in the year. And they're, they're, they were kind of looking for pitches. They were looking for podcasters. Westwood had a, a, a nice big setup out there and Beasley was having people uh, connect through a, an email address looking for podcasters. And so I got to thinking, you know, what, what's the goal here? Do the podcasters become part of a network? Like you, you guys are all independent. You're talking about staying independent. The podcasters that were there become a part of a bigger network and give away their independence. But, you know, radio has a big megaphone that mm-hmm. they might not be able to, you know, uh, they don't, they don't have as a single podcaster. And so are they going to be willing to give that up and really, you know, what is radio looking for? Are they looking for um, new stars? Because I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but some radio people have referenced the podcasting industry as the radio's minor leagues, and they don't mean it in a negative way. What they mean is that they, in the old days, smaller market radio would produce big market talent eventually. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of gone away, and those smaller market talents are coming from podcasts, and it's been more than a few people that have started out with a podcast that have become big radio stars. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it is interesting to see how, how these two groups are going to come together. I'm not sure how yet, but every company is going to have a, a podcast strategy, whether the folks in in your industry like it or not. They're going to have some kind of podcast strategy. And the big reason for that is they see the money. You know, if you, um, if you listen to the Scripps conference call yesterday, their earnings call, uh, mid-roll and Stitcher, or 50% increase in revenue. And they use the two magic words that radio always loves to hear, but hardly gets uh, much revenue from. And that was Procter and Gamble. We mentioned that on the conference call yesterday. So the radio folks see the money coming. And, uh, you know, that's part of the reason too. They're trying to come up with a strategy to pull some of that money over. If I look mm-hmm. at the conversations I've had with most radio folks over the past, well, let's just use three years because three years ago we really saw a surge in radio folks looking at the space <clears throat> And the high majority of them, I would say 90%, refused to listen to advice and uh, they were going to go their way. And most of those initiatives that I've been tracking uh, died because they were going to do it the radio way and the radio way was the only way. And, you know, that's sometimes you have to learn those lessons the hard way through failures. And I, I think some of those folks have. But I think the folks that listen to good strategies, number one, and not making three hours of drive, three-hour podcasts, but taking the eight, 15-minute segments in there that was really hot stuff and cut those up and put them online as a podcast. That's successful. And as you alluded to, finding podcasters that may fit into some programming that could, they could bring on. You know, Our advice to a lot of radio stations for the past year or so has been, all right, so you, you're a small station you, or a small, you know, you've got 15 stations in a couple of markets. And, um, you know, this, this is largely the small folks that will listen is you, let's say you don't have a tech guy, you know, so if you need a tech segment, uh, find a podcaster that you love and bring him on the air for 
you know, that five minute tech spot uh, four times a week or, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever the programming is going to allow and then put that guy's show, you know, on, on your, you know, KH, K, uh, ABCDE.com uh, station website and make that part of a feature of your, you know, bring, bring that guy in and have that podcast content sitting there and some listen to that advice, some don't. Sure. And, but I, I agree, there's going to be people that are going to raise up into radio, but let's be frank, it, Ed, I, I'm looking at you, you probably, your kids are probably grown and out of the house, aren't they? Uh, yeah, yeah. But I have a 14-year-old, and he gets in the car, and what does he do? He plugs in the headphones. He doesn't want to listen to what dad's listened to. He's on Pandora or Spotify or something sure. else um, listening to music, so... It's just a matter of time, right? You know, radio's not going anywhere for probably twenty years, but they they are definitely on a downward slope, in my opinion. Well, I, I, we've heard that argument before. Uh, I, I I hear it all the time. True. So, and it may be true at some point. At this point, though, one of the other things that I discovered um, is no matter how much you guys um, explain how easy it is to watch your show or listen to your show on your website because of all the buttons you had there. That was your last show. I've been binge watching your show ever since I got back from, uh, from podcast movement. And um, no matter how easy you make it, I don't think the average podcaster is as smart as you guys and can figure out how to make it easy. It's so hard right now to listen to a podcast only because, and you guys might disagree. There's so many different ways to get it. Even I was trying to figure out on my phone, how to get your next episode, like on Netflix, it says the next episode's coming up in five seconds. I think that's a, that's a problem for you guys. But right now, radio, you slide into the car, and there's your eight favorite stations. And so that's yeah. their advantage right now. The cars are going to change, and there's going to be Wi-Fi, and everyone's going to have Wi-Fi eventually. So you'll be maybe you'll be able to say, you know, turn on my where I left off, you know, this show or that show in the car, and that's that's where things will get crazy for radio. But you know, right now the you know, it's so easy, and radio has been right on top of the smart speakers to get uh, converted there, too. So um, we'll see what happens. I, yeah. I, I just think yeah. it's so hard right now for the average podcaster to figure out, okay, you said on your last show, Todd, you need a website. You need uh, to have RSS, and, and I don't think the average person understands all that. And I was waiting for a scroll on the bottom of your show to say, okay, beginners, you need to watch uh, – you know, session number 12, when we, when we talk about this, that's what I think would be great for the average podcaster, because what did I hear? 550,000 podcasters out there. Not all of them are active at this point, but there's probably new ones coming in every day. Yeah. And I think discovery has been talked to death. Um, and I think we've all know that discovery, some people think it's an issue personally. I, I don't necessarily think discovery is an issue because of the way people are find out about podcasts today. It's, it's different. It's, you know, person to person, uh, friend to friend, um, listening to content, someone else recommending stuff. Uh, you know, we can argue that content's a uh, discovery is an issue, but that's probably can do a whole matter of fact, we've done several shows on just yeah. that topic <laughs> yeah. alone. Yeah. So when you were in the, in the sessions, what, you know, what, what did the attendance look like radio wise? Did they, was there 100, 200, 300 radio? What, what, what do you think the count was? Well, um, to hear that Hubbard sent 12 of its managers and to see all the Beasley folks there, I think it was probably several hundred. I, I don't know the count for sure, but the room was always packed. The, the Jacobs uh, sessions were always packed. I'm not sure they were all radio people or how, how many 
uh, yeah. seats they had in the rooms. But um, I, I think this for sure was the biggest year. And I think in Orlando, you're going to see even more people down there. And, you know, I don't know if Dan uh, and those guys are going to continue those tracks. Maybe the radio show will have tracks of its own for podcasting. Um, I, I just think for sure yeah. radio is getting on this bandwagon. And I don't know what the, the best relationship is going to be between the two communities, but it is audio. And if the consumer doesn't care what you call it, you can call it radio, you can call it podcasting. They're going to get their headphones on, they're going to plug them into their phone, and they're going to listen to whatever they listen to. Um, so, Well, I, I don't think that, you know, I think we've been, and Rob, you can weigh in here. I'm sorry, I'm hogging the mic. Um, we've been wondering when radio was going to join the party, to be honest with you. We wondered when they were going to jump in with both feet. Uh, Rob, you want to add to that? or? Yeah, I think we're on the the cusp of that happening. I mean, <clears throat> seeing that big, um, booth that, uh, Westwood one had there and knowing a little bit that s some of the other larger groups, um, were, have expressed to me that they want to have a bigger brand presence at next year's event. Um, that I think that the radio folks, um, you know, I think this year was kind of like a milestone moment for the convergence uh, I think, you know, a lot of these groups are, are realizing that <clears throat> there's an opportunity for them to build kind of like a, almost like a separate business here. I mean, I think if you look at what uh, Westwood is doing and you look at what iHeart is doing, um, they're building kind of original right. content, um, kind of building right. it, building a network of shows that is kind of like sitting on top of their, their, their national brand. And then they're working with the local local stations to help them kind of like take the content that they're producing at the local level and try and optimize it, monetize it, do all those things that they've been kind of like not doing, um, here for many years and, and really helping them kind of through that process. It, it feels like that that movement is, is happening. Ed, if you could talk a little bit about what you're hearing and what you're, uh, what you think is coming on, on that side from, from both the national and local levels. Well, I, I think some of the companies would argue, especially iHeart, that they've been doing it for a long time uh, through yeah. iHeartRadio, and uh, right. they've been doing it with their, you know, uh, with their, especially their big talents, um, you know, repurposing yeah. the uh, morning shows or, or the afternoon shows and, and, and yeah. posting them up on their website. So some of them would argue that they've been in it for a while. I guess my, my question, Todd, would be, what do you want the re relationship to be? If, if there's some kind of divide, What's, no. what's, where do you, where do you want them? No, I don't think there's a, well, I think there's a perception of invite. I want them in with all, all feet. I want them in on this because let's, you know, let's be frank. And I, I'm not, I haven't, I've said this many times before. They create great content. They're masters of creating fantastic yeah, programming. Right. Yeah. So from that aspect, you know, they've got a huge, you know, like, decades of experience in yeah. doing that. So, you know, to me, it's just, it's a natural fit that they're coming, going to come in and it, it's all a matter of, are they going to be able to put budget on it? Um, if they have, I, I guess more specifically though, Todd, what, what do you, what, what do you want to see them doing with the podcast community? I'd like to see them same thing. I think that what I said earlier, I think the, the, if it in the, in the interim as things are, as digital is making a bigger presence and is if, if radio goes, starts to uh, slide a little bit, I think they need to boost up their digital strategy. And they do just as you said, and, and I've been telling radios uh, folks to do for a while is to, you know, start uh, building a team of uh, podcasters that you can, 
uh, align with and get some content. And it's going to be it's going to be good for both. You know, so if you if they go out and pick uh, 20 shows that they like, let's say they want a science show, they want a tech show, they need a, you know, a, a lifestyle show, you know, all this stuff maybe they don't have and segment some of that stuff into their regular programming as they trust the content creators to create content to go on the radio mm-hmm. or bring them on live. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great okay. opportunity. So the question I would have is, uh, how do they, how do they pay for that? You're talking about compensating, let's say 10 people, right? So now you're talking about what? Inserting how many ads? And that's the difference between you guys and radio. I mean, if radio dies, it'll be because they're playing 20 commercials an hour. Right. And people are just tuning out. And you guys haven't played a single commercial yet on this show. Yeah, this show is is non-commercial. Yep. (laughs) Right, right. So, I mean, that's that's a big difference. What happens when a podcaster becomes, you know, a broadcaster and, and all of a sudden their podcast is playing, you know, eight units every 30 minutes. I mean, it's, that's the difference, right? Well, I, I think if you're, if you're going to transition a, a podcast to a full show, another hour, let's say he's got an hour on Saturday or something, taking up some of that valuable time that they rent space on and give that to them, you know, they're, they're definitely going to have to have those spots or you have to have those breaks. That's going to be something that they're going to have to learn to do within the podcast itself. Yeah. They're going to have to monetize that digital content, but you know, this I think maybe is where, you know, the, 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 the financing of this and being able to write that check. I, I think, you know, initially if, if let's say that, let's just take a small owner, someone that's got 30 stations and, and let's say they're in a Southern market, they could go and pick, they could probably align with 20 or 25 shows. And those podcasters probably would be thrilled to yeah. have their content syndicated over there without compensation. Now I'm ducking because People are throwing baseball bats at me already, but that should lead, there should be a model that lead to monetization, not only on the radio side with rev share, but also on the digital side with some digital advertising too. Um, local is local. So that you, that local sales team sells that local ad spots into those podcasts that are specifically on that website. Right. right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and Ed, oh, go ahead, Ed. No, go ahead, Rob. Well, I was going to change change the subject a little bit and just say um, what I'd like to see, you know, to kind of answer the question you posed earlier about how I would like the the relationship between these two communities to 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 work out is for both sides of this community to respect each other and and we kind of come together and and we don't have this broadcaster meet podcaster track that's separate from the, all the other tracks from, from the, the event and that both sides look at each other with a level of kind of our respect that I think both sides can learn from each other and that we, we not separate at this event and go into our clicks and that we kind of um, get to know each other you know, a little bit more on both sides. Cause I believe both sides have things to learn from each other. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that that's, that's what I've seen. And that, frankly, that's what I've been doing for the last three years is trying to bridge that kind of that divide between these two communities. I, I, you know, being a panelist at radio events and then being a panelist at podcasting events and trying to meet all these folks on the radio side. Now, granted, I had a little bit of an advantage work, s- spending a year working for podcast one. Cause th- that was certainly right in the middle of that, um, right. that combination of those two worlds. And I could see it from a unique perspective, but 
Uh, and that's why I'm talking about how, what I'm seeing with the radio groups c- coming into this event is this event is going to, going to become, I think if you look out two or three years, is going to be kind of like the, it could be a focus point for the, the radio industry as you start thinking about talent and you start thinking about um, sure. the next evolution of radio. And I guess one thing I was hoping that we could talk about today too is as you look out 10 years from now, Ed, um, what's your thought on where radio is going to be um, on on the on-demand side and the podcasting side? Do you think it's going to be the primary driver of their their thinking and their strategy? Uh, I, I, I doubt that. I think it'll always be the over-the-air uh, product that, that, that drives them. Um, and that's, that's where they, that's where they make their, their money. So I, I don't know if it'll shift that much. I do think that they're going to continue to get more and more involved in it. And I, I, if Caroline Beasley was up on stage and she said that they were there to learn. And I, I think a lot of them uh, at the show were certainly there to learn because they, they really, they, they think this, they didn't, mm-hmm. I don't, my perception now, and I'm not speaking for anybody, my perception is they don't want to lose out on podcasting. Like they kind of lost out at the beginning of digital. They, they were a little slow um, to, to yeah. get with digital yeah. and they, they don't want to make that mistake twice. And they, and they see what, what Dan's created and what you guys are doing. And, and it's, mm-hmm. um, and they, they, they can do it. They have the talent in house. They can find the talent if they want to. And um, and they have the big megaphone to promote it like uh, like nobody else does. So mm-hmm. I think it'll always be part of their strategy. But I don't know if I would say it'll be it, it would be the main driver, you know, unless something really changes in the car or or, or everybody decides they're never going to listen to radio again. And and you know that's that's never really happened. Uh, it's a hundred year old uh, medium, and it's it's changed over the years. Um, it's it's not as strong as it once was, but it's st- it's still pretty strong. Um, but I, I think they came to learn and they came to try and figure out what their strat- they want their strategy to be and how they can make money at it. And, um, and if they yeah. can make a lot of money at it, they'll get in it a lot more. Well, it's, it's reassuring because as little as three years ago, I was at a Jacob's uh, event in L.A. Well, it wasn't. It was a Jacob's track in L.A. in an event, a well-known radio event. And uh, as soon as the podcasting track uh, came on, the 350 people almost all got up to a person and went out and lobby and had a cocktail while 10 people remained to listen about podcasting. So it's nice to, <laughs> it's nice to hear that they're not going to the lobby to have a cocktail during uh, the sessions and came to. So that is a positive. <laughs> that's, yeah, a, right. that's a positive development. Uh, literally, that's kind of what happened at this event. And I was, you know, I was like, wow, I came, I flew to LA to talk to 10 people. That's, that's great. <laughs> but, um, you know, the car, so I have a question for you. Sure. I have a question for you guys. Why isn't this show syndicated on radio station? Yeah. Good question. I mean, uh, here you are, you guys are the experts, the Mount Rushmore of podcasting right here. Two of the heads would be you, you guys right here and, and, uh, great content. You guys are uh, entertaining. And you and you know pretty much the history of podcasting. Why isn't this running Saturday morning on on radio station? Ed, hook us up. Let's go. Let's get this baby syndicated. <laughs> you know, uh, run some spots. You know, yeah, well, that's okay. Every, you know, as long as I mean, we'll have to negotiate that out. What is every thirteen minutes or something? Through you know, five minutes of commercials. Right, right. You know, right. but the good thing about that is, is we can keep talking while the commercials are going, and when right, the clock gets, right. we come right back. Well, <laughs> and. The, Ed, the other question I had race? is, uh, oh, sorry, Rob. The you, other question I had is, it, yeah. uh, is anybody from radio on the IAB 
committee to talk about measurement or is anybody from radio um, on uh, with Dan's group to try and integrate uh, radio or, you know, are there, I know you guys were talking about a podcasting uh, organization on one of the sessions like the RAB or whatever you would call it. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have somebody from, from radio, like a CEO from radio that sits in and, and tries to bring the two groups together? If they are an IAB yeah. member, they are free to join any of the, any of the committees. It's, you know, you basically, you pay your admission fee and then they uh, designate which, which company members are going to be involved in the committees and then they have to decide which they're going to participate. I would, I guess maybe in reverse, I would encourage any of the radio groups or any of the teams that are on, uh, our members of the IAB to join the, uh, the measure, the audio measurement committee, because, uh, yeah, we need their input, but I don't, um, you know, we had, I think 36 companies, all the major podcasting companies are, a representative there's a few there's some of the hosting companies are not uh but um yeah. i think I there's a pretty yeah they can't <laughs> afford it but um <laughs> now todd i think it was you and i at the booth uh, we had a conversation at the show about the measurement issue it, that's a serious issue for for podcasters well no i to be honest with you it hasn't been but some people have said it has been so where the problem lies is there's you know, there's been a few, and I'll say the word few, bad characters that have caused some issues. So the certification is well overdue, and I, I think it's a, something that's going to help the space a lot. Uh, the compliance was number one, getting people saying that they are compliant. That's, that was a first step into leveling the playing field. But I think the certification process is more companies go through that. I think the IB, Emmett told me that he has six in the hopper right now that are um, three that are going through the pro uh, two that are going through the process, one that's going to start a little later, and three more that are basically waiting to sign contracts. So, you know, how many measurement systems are there out there? Well, you know, I, I, there's not 36, but there's maybe 15. So, I, I think we'll get, I think we'll get this cleaned up pretty quick. I don't know. What do you think, Rob, on that part? Yeah, I think um, from what I heard from the IEB folks uh, at Podcast Movement, they're they're getting people, you know, signing up pretty fast for the certification process. So I think we're going to have a large group of, of the major podcast hosting platforms all, all be on board. And I know that that's creating a little bit of nervousness on the part of some other players in the medium that maybe don't want to fully convert over V2 um, of the IEB specs because it's going gonna, it's gonna to lower their numbers. I hate to say it. That's the honest well, answer to that. But um, – but yeah, Rob, at the same point, it lowers their numbers, but increases their performance. We keep that's right. to remind people that. Exactly. That's, that's the inverse of this is that the ROI our representation to the advertisers is going to go up. And my hope and dream here is that that will also translate into a long-term CPM growth. Um, but we'll have to see on that. Now, Rob, um, Rob yeah. you're, you're talking, if there's, radio people that are watching or listening to the show and you're talking about v2 and 12 different ways to measure and 30 or not 36 ways to measure and the whole thing yeah. it's i can tell you it's going right over their heads and and i don't mean to be negative but no that we all it. haven't been in this space very long it's it's uh it's amazing i think it'd be amazing to hear that advertisers are actually bringing money to a, a medium where you really you really have no measurement system i mean that's the no, way you made it sound. V2, no. you got downloads, you got people that won't comply, and they're still spending money. That's pretty good. 
that's pretty good. I think there's a misnomer though here. So yeah. let, let's be clear. We've had guidelines per se, the majors, PodTrack. Well, Libs- Todd, we've had guidelines since 2008. Yeah, since 2008. So there's been a few folks. And what really, and I'll be honest with you, misinformed, haven't done the science, are talking out of their ass. I'll be frank. Some folks saying, no, oh, this is the wild, wild west of podcasting. Measurements all over the place. It's not. And it hasn't been. It's, again, what we've well, had. Some players, it's been all over some, the place. Some, some, yeah. a couple. Yeah. I mean, let's just be narrow, very narrow here. Very few have been not playing within. They're not counting by ones. They're counting by sixes. So that's an issue. <laughs> and it's caused CPMs to be forced down because performance dropped, of course. And, and then, so the battle we went through with the IEB to get this podcast measurement thing locked in was bloody. You know, it was not, and we brought the science to the table. We brought the logs. We brought the proof. You know, it was downright fistfight, you know, in a corporate way. Um, well, it took two years. Took two, took two years. years. And yeah. so the, what we have now is really where the, where the, where the one there's only one hang up left that people are complaining about. It's one. It's the twenty four hour measurement window. And which means what? What does that mean? It means that and there's rules around that. So if you're if you're resetting the counter every fifteen minutes, if you zero it out, zero your um data collecting and, and cross referencing and looking at on, that I on on downloads. On downloads. So it's for as an example, if if you have a person that is resetting the clock every 15 minutes and and i start uh, listening to your show right now i I stop i go in and i haven't subscribed let's use that's an important uh distinction distinction here i go in the kitchen uh i get a cup of coffee and i grab a sandwich and i and and 10 minutes later i come back in, in the office and i hit play again um for some people that's a two and that's really a one and on the 24 hour window Basically, if I come back eight hours later and hit play again, and I'm not quote unquote again not subscribed, that's still a one. And um, with certain, uh, you come into the same type of device, same type of app. So there's rules around that. But we've seen over the years um, that when people are subscribed to a show, and people hate the word subscribe in this space. Matter of fact, they're trying to kill the word subscribe, even at the show, this show. When people are subscribed within the first literally seconds of a show coming online, we see this spike. And within the first 24 hours, all the automated aggregators have downloaded the subscribed podcast in full. Then of course, intermixed in that is you got a few people are listening on websites. A few people are listening uh, just by clicking play on demand without being subscribed. And over the next 72 to 96 hours, that curve goes down and then it flatlines for most shows after 96 hours. So, the science behind the measurement is not that complicated, um, but this 24-hour window is super critical. And, you know, we've got years and years and years and years of data to show that that's the right number. Um, so, my, my to bring it back to radio, and uh, if I was sitting in front of the Fort Myers Honda general manager and just explained to him the way you explained it to me, his head would spin around 50 times before he bought podcast that i was talking about so well, that's that's that was the only point i think in I the, mean, to, to try and understand it simply yeah so i know my show is being downloated right. five thousand times a week or whatever yep 
50,000 times a month. That's where I think you guys are going to explode with revenue. This, this, the story really is on the sales side is we, we bill on the download and that's the science of it. There's no other, there, there's no cl- uh, client side. This is all server side data. We bill on the download. So long as you're measuring your downloads within the spec, you're, this is, this data is better than anything else. I mean, it is absolutely, yeah, client side would be better, but it is. Well, that's it's what as, the RAD initiative is. Yeah, from, it's it's as close. National Public Radio. It's as close to perfect as you can get. So if I download, uh, if if a show downloads uh, ten thousand times, and the beginning content of that show is so bad, nine thousand people never listen to past the first ten minutes, and yep. so the guy's Honda ad is never heard. Yep. He's still going to get credit and have to pay for ten thousand yeah, downloads. Not right? with the, not with the story we can tell now. We can look at the okay. Apple Podcast data. And we can look on a show by show basis and see the percentage of completions on that show. We can see where they're okay. losing the audience. Okay. It, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a not a full it's picture. Like a sample. It's, it's a like sample. a sample. It's a sample. Yeah. So we can tell that story. We couldn't do that a year ago, but you know we've already people that are um, yeah. It's just an education process we have to do with these folks yeah. to make them understand. But here's the thing: DR is performing. DR is performing very, very well, better than almost any other medium from a, a ROI standpoint. So that's the story that DR is performing. Now, brand uh, brand advertisers, I think once we get the everyone in compliance and everything done, then the brand advertisers are going to come and say, okay, I'm going to spend a million dollars in this buy, deliver me, uh, you know, 100 million impressions or 100 million, I shouldn't impressions, 100 million downloads and we'll write you a check. I think that's, that's a done deal when that happens, but we got to get Procter and Gamble. We got to get them in here and spending those, writing those big checks and the Geico's and the Ford's and the DR is good feeder stuff, but the real money's in the brand stuff. So I wanted to also mention that one of the, the key, key observations that I took away from um, podcast movement was, you know, the, what it appeared to be the collaboration and communication and cooperation between public radio and the commercial broadcasters out there at, at the event. I, I think that there's, I don't know, Ed, if you can chime in on this too, um, do you think that the commercial radio side is really looking at public radio and saying um, what they've been doing over, over the last 10 years is something that we can learn from and maybe um, somewhat mirror somewhat in what they're doing on the podcasting side? Well, without a doubt. I mean, it's no secret that uh, NPR – uh, has been brilliant at it for so long, and uh, having the CEO there, Jacobs having the CEO there uh, from NPR was just uh, a great get, and he was uh, excellent at explaining how you know they can mm-hmm. tell the longer stories, and they have storytellers uh, every day telling you know the news in a, in a, in a story. Every you know mm-hmm. news story can be longer than it can be on a on a commercial radio station. So I think for sure uh, they they look at NPR as uh, as the, the radio company that's that's done a great job at it, and uh, for, so yes, the answer is yes. I mean, as much as they can interact with, uh, with those folks and learn from them, just like they can learn from you, they're they're going to do it. Uh, someone asked in the chat room, "Does the RAB recognize the IAB or even talk to them about these standards?" I think the answer to that at this point is probably no, because it's about it, about the podcasting standards. Yeah, about the measurements, because it's you know it's it's really two completely different animals. If you, if you think about it, uh, 
Yeah. You know, it's even different from streaming. And here's the, you know, here's the tricky part. We've got Spotify that is, you know, making a huge surge in there. They're going to have probably mm, roughly maybe 60% of all active podcasts on their platform. They, there's probably 40% out there that they can't, that they're not getting because they're self-hosting or whatever reason they can't get on. But, um, so 60% of these shows that are active right now are getting new, a new audience listens on Spotify. But right now we don't have a story on how to build that because they're streaming. They're not downloading. So uh, the podcasting space is, and same thing with iHeartRadio, same thing with uh, if Pandora comes on, same thing with uh, Google Play. These are all streams. These aren't downloads. Yeah. So now we've got these new numbers coming into the mix. And how do I bill for Spotify when it's not apples and apples, it's apples and oranges. And the two numbers mean two different things. So, 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 you're, what, you're, so what you're saying is if, if your show is, is streamed through Spotify, you're not getting you you you're not getting counted as a download for them. So no, you couldn't, you couldn't say mm-hmm. okay. So what about when Google starts uh, starts uh, taking over things? Google, How's Google, that going to work? Google right now Google is, is downloaded. Downloading. Yeah, downloading. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's you know that's a good thing. Um, right. We were obviously so worried about that. that. How do you get around that? I, I mean, well, Spotify is going to keep well, growing. How, how do you get around that? Well, you tell us you we we battle Spotify till they allow pass through so that they don't. Uh, don't stream and it's, it's on demand like it is anywhere else. You know, that's how we, and it also fixes the ad injection problem when you're trying to change an ad, you know, two weeks into a, an episode. So, cause they cash everything now. So, you know, the key is to get to Spotify to, to do pass through similar to what Stitcher did. Um, and it, you know, believe it or not, I don't know why they don't do it because it, it takes the, um, they don't have to pay for that bandwidth. <laughs> I do. Isn't Spotify using uh, all your podcasts to uh, to act as a network and then stream it, and then they're running ads across it? So, I, what's the benefit to them? Uh, well, the benefit to them would be, well, there would be really no. The only benefit would be is the podcasters would be more inclined to work a little bit better with them and promote them because then th- those that are running ads can um, change their ads if they need to. Um, I think that's one part, uh, you know, Spotify is an interesting animal right now. And it's, uh, amazing to see the feeding frenzy going around the podcast space, how people love it. But the, uh, it's just a whole new generation of listeners is what it is. Right. 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 Yeah. I think it's a little bit of a, a technology hurdle for them too. If you think about the, the kind of, um, the, the code design that they have for their, their platform, it's been focused on streaming. So for them to all of a sudden change course and do pass through and enable downloads and stuff is a completely different kind of programming orientation that they had to bring to their platform. Plus there, there's another side to it too here. And that's what's their business model with podcasting. Uh, as you look to the future, it, it could be that they want to sell advertising against podcasts um, separate from the show selling it from the the main hosting platform um, which is currently what the model is today I mean most of the podcasts that do dynamic ad insertion um, basically are wanting to have pass-through connections with distribution platforms like like Spotify versus <clears throat> caching platforms which means like what Todd was saying you can't replace the ads 
Um, and that's well, becoming more and more important to um, content creators that uh, want to utilize dynamic ad insertion. And, and, but the yeah. problem is Spotify is blocking that from happening. And, and, but Spotify at the same time, isn't, isn't enabling a rev share on ad insertion just to their platform, which I, I, I believe may be their long-term goal here. But they are currently well, not sounds, monetizing. Sorry. No. It yeah. sounds like you, it's, it sounds like you guys, the podcasters are going through the same kind of dilemma with Spotify's radio was going through with digital at the beginning. The radio, the radio folk, you all want to be seen and heard wherever people are. They, you don't want to create a hurdle for your listeners. If they're going to listen on Spotify, you want to be heard on Spotify, but you can't get any credit for that. And so radio, when digital started to, to really take off, should we push people to listen online? Should we push people to listen to an app when we know we're not really going to get credit for it? And eventually, yeah. you know, you, you've got to go where the consumers want to listen, you know, and, and yeah. Take it for what it is at that point. I, I think there's definitely going to be some growing pains, you know, but I think we're well aware of these issues and obviously radio had the same problem. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, we're just, you know, going to have to continue to talk to the Spotify team. I, I you know, I, you, I, I had to laugh because I had a um, podcaster that uh, re reached out to us and said, how do I get my royalties from Spotify and I'm like, uh, there's no royalties for podcast, you know? And I said, uh, reach out and I, you know, I said, reach out to Spotify on Twitter and see what they have to say about that. So, um, you know, so you got now creators that are starting to think about their content the same way as someone that's creating music and say, I want my royalties for my content. You're playing it over there. You've got access to it. Uh, paint, write me a check. Um, <laughs> and I'll see how that's going to work out. Right. But, um, I think that, uh, that as long as we keep the communications going, we're good. We're going to figure out a way. I'm, I'm going to bill against Spotify. We're just going to have to disclaim, you know, here's what was listened on Spotify. And we're going to have to look at the, again, I'm going to have to use DR as my benchmark. I'm going to say, okay, I was getting X performance out of this show strictly on download uh, accounts. And let's add the Spotify numbers in the buy. Let's see what happens to the, and I'm just going to have to see because I, the data coming back to them is, is very much incomplete. And they have it and they know how much of that show got listened to and what they got better data. They've got the client side data that we need, but they're yeah, right. not reporting it currently on an episode. Yeah, but what about every, what about every other podcaster on your, on your network that you, that you guys host? I mean, they, they're, 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 they don't have the time and the expertise to do that. Like, like, like you do. And, <laughs> No, we, I'm sure they want to know how many streams are, are coming through Spotify and that's, they can add it to their downloads and go to the guy up to the corner store and say, hey, listen, I've got, you know, X amount of people. Can you, let me do a live read for you. At yeah. least to pay for my gas to get to the, you know, right. to get to the corner. They, and we do. We provide a, a, a platform for them. They, they have a statistics okay. login and they have all this information basically at their fingertips. So. Um, on each of the platforms, Rob's and, you know, uh, everyone has stats. So it's, you know, it's a little format, a little bit different. I do want to go back to the podcast movement piece a little bit, because I know we've drifted here a little bit. Um, what did you get any you know, kind of people whispering in your ear, talking about anything, any initiatives you can talk about or anything that you're hearing that, uh, <laughs> you know, that you can talk about that won't get you in trouble on the radio side. Yeah. I, I tried to get uh, the, some more details on what Beasley's uh, working on. You know, they said they were going to uh, release a new initiative later in the year that Buzz Knight is going to head. And 
my guess is, and I nobody's told me this, my guess is they're going to try and start a network somehow too of podcasters um, because they were asking for uh, people to uh, get in touch with them uh, through a website or an email address and you know uh, see what I mean. What else? What else? What else what, can they do? Well, maybe well, maybe they're trying to hire talent. Why would which be- I, I don't think is a bad thing. Why would Beasley do that themselves? Why wouldn't they go through Podcast One? They they've got a stake in Podcast One. No, no, you know no. that's a great question. I so I don't really know what their initiative is. Um, I know uh, several yeah, of their that's actually podcasts, oh. but um, I'm not I'm not really sure. And I did not hear any whispering from other uh, companies that there. I honestly think they uh, Todd they were there to learn. They were really there to learn, and and because you know they're a little they're a little behind. They, they and, and I take them at their word for that. They were, they certainly learned a lot. I mean, I, I went there to, to learn and it was, it was amazing how many vendors that, there were, that were there. It was amazing how many people that were there, how many you know podcasters off the street that were there that were just trying to learn how to be better, which microphone to use, things like that. And I think, you know, they were there to try and figure out how, how some of these podcasters are doing so well and how maybe they could alter their, their, um, their strategy to see. Uh, if they could make more money at it or or, uh, or build their, their podcasting platform. I don't think anybody there thinks that 10 years from now that's going to be the primary way to deliver uh, their content. But I think they, they want to have something ready to roll soon if they don't already. Yeah, so, and I, 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 I really think they did learn a lot. And I spoke out of turn. It was Hubbard that has a stake in Podcast One, not Beasley. So that's why they're not going through Podcast One. So, uh, so maybe they are. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I... I, I I'm glad that they're there and listening and the, the, the Jacobs folks obviously are, you know, got that connection with that space in a big right. way. So right. they are perfect facilitators of getting them in. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I hope, yeah, I hope they join the party with both feet. You know, let's be, be, be frank, uh, nothing, you know, so I think we've seen a couple of, uh, influencers in, in the space that's helped drive, the podcast adoption. I look at uh, when Larry King was still on CNN, what was he, CNN? CNN, and he was, uh, or whatever network he was on, he was always talking, hey, listen to my podcast, listen to my podcast, listen to my podcast. And then, uh, you know, we're hearing this now uh, with some national advertising on uh, uh, different uh, networks. Uh, iHeart's got it. So just spreading the word of podcasting is good. You know, get that uh, radio megaphone and get those audiences that are listening to radio hearing about podcasting being promoted on the air. Um, right. You know, our local guy that does a drive here that's real popular, he's doing Facebook Live now. So I'm thinking, okay, uh, you know, you're doing a little digital play here. Smart. Maybe a little behind. Maybe you should have been doing that a couple of years ago, but at least he's doing it. Um, so I, I, I'm encouraged that they're, they're, they're looking at it. But I just, budget-wise, that's when I always just wonder, will they... Well, they put budget on it because a lot of these folks are cash strapped. Yeah, I don't, I don't see them making major, major investments in it, um, unless they can tell there's going to be a return on that investment real quick. So you're right about yeah. that. Um, we'll see what happens. But one of the other things, as you were mentioned, the guy up the street doing Facebook Live. If some of these podcasters that that listen to your show or, or watch your show want to see their numbers go up, they should buy some ads on a local radio station. See what happens after that, because that will work. You know, I, I think what's interesting, though, is because there's very few podcasts that are local. So would that, you know, is that going to have the same bang for the buck? Yeah, you're going to get a very local audience, but 
this audience is worldwide and most podcasters are too. So this is also a challenge for radio because radio is local. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and Rob has always been a proponent of, of local podcast. Uh, Oh yeah. In a big market. Yeah. In a big market, you can probably pay some bills with that, but I don't, that won't work, you know, work in major markets. It's all about growing the overall listener base. Yeah. Once that happens, it's all about building um, audience in local markets, which which translates into scale for the whole industry. So, I mean, we've got to build. Uh, we have to figure out a way as an industry to, like what Ed was talking about. I mean, a lot of the topics we've talked about today, they they're all like pieces to this puzzle, right? We've got to figure out a way to grow audience in the medium, but it also for the radio folks, it's got to make financial sense to invest yeah. in doing that, right? I think they have a role in helping grow audience in the on-demand podcasting realm. But they're not going to really jump, like you said, they're not going to jump in with both feet until they see a pathway um, that that kind of rolls up all these issues, right, of metrics and um, these platforms, making it easy for people to to find podcasts, kind of like what built radio in the car, right? Um, simplicity, nice. I agree with you, Ed. I think simplicity is key, but to some degree, this is a generational thing too, right? The young people today are more accustomed to to complexity, right? I think it's the older generation that is confused and not as into being accepting of the complexity and and getting it right and i think that's that's part of why this is probably going to be a shift that happens over the next five to ten years it's not going to happen like two years from now no i'm well todd just to just to uh touch on your earlier point about uh, i think you said your daughter is 14 or the son is yeah yeah son is Mm -hmm. 14 well my daughter's 21 and we went out to breakfast yesterday and i asked her if she listened to podcasts and she said she she surprising to me she said she did and then she said she listens to podcasts of people she follows on youtube mm. and you know for somebody that's in, i'm in my 50s i mean that you're right uh, rob that's a completely different generation you're watching youtube and then listening to podcasts from she's not listening to the radio yeah is what is what yeah. really she said she's, she's doing all the other uh, listening somewhere else you know i think so if we look at the progression of time when we had broadcast tv you know, you got what you got on your TV. You know, where I grew up, I had four channels, three, six, eight, and 14. Those were the, those were the channels I had as a kid, <laughs> ABC, CBS, NBC, and some religious broadcaster. That's, I lived in, in the sticks and then, um, cable came and then we went from four channels to, you know, to 5,000, literally, you know, 5,000 channels of junk, uh, 10 channels of actually good content. And then, um, and then, you know, you look at radio in where radio has transitioned um, in going into the car, you get in your car today and you know, I got a 2009 Mazda CX-9 and I turn the car on and it defaults when you turn it on to, well, it's at least it's smart enough to know what I had set for the last time, whether it be AM, FM okay. or the Bluetooth. Uh, it used to be you turn the car on, it was AM or you turn the car on, it was FM. That, that was the, right. that was the choice. So yeah. just in a few short years here, nine years. I my my in dash experiences. You know, we use the word kaka here in Hawaii, and that's uh, bird crap. Um, <laughs> um, it is. Uh, if if I look at that and think of what my next vehicle will have, um, and Ford has already said they are going to put, you know, nice. It's going to come with the the Ford package. 
the battle for AM FM is really in that dashboard. And as cars get older and yes, yes. updates, so uh, if Pandora is a selection on that loads, because people are going to be writing checks to be that default icon that shows up. Um, that's a, you know, that's a money center now for automate right. for car manufacturers. Well, I, think, I think radio's advantage as long as they uh, keep doing it is local, 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 when, local, local. People want to, they want to hear the local weather. They want to hear the local morning team jibber jabber back and forth and pick yep. on each other. Mm -hmm. And Pandora mm -hmm. doesn't provide that, you know, a local podcaster could provide that. And if they, they, they can figure out how to do it and, and they're entertaining, it's always about the entertainment, but yep. you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's one thing radio from every small market to medium market to, to, the major markets, you know, they, they've got a connection with those uh, with those talents on the air in the morning and the afternoon. And, it, you know, that's going to be tough, tough to beat. Yeah. And it's been, it's been like that for a long time. But if I also look at it, too, is, is I'm getting ready to get in my car to take my kid to school because I he goes to a public school, but in a location where I have to take him to. Google's telling me and it's weird. I get this pop up on my phone saying, hey, the commute time's 43 minutes. And right. You know, so I know where my commute, I, or I have ways. So I, I think over time, again, I, I think radio still got 20 years at least. Let's be, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar market. It's not going away any soon. But radio is definitely going to change. And I, if podcast is the route for them to evolve evolve, right. and stay stay relevant and get ahead of the, you know, what happened mm -hmm. to them when the digital age comes in, then good. I think we've served a purpose here. and. The beauty of this is, is it's open for all comers and no one, there's no gatekeepers. And that's something, Rob, maybe we should just talk a little bit about on this show today mm -hmm. in relation to podcast movement. I felt, and maybe, and, and maybe it's just a feeling, but, you know, whisper here, talk here, talk there, that there's this, the openness of the space is really um, resented by some and they would like to close that up a little bit but I, I think the genie is way out of the bottle i don't think that'll ever be possible i don't know what do you think well why don't you expand on that todd a little bit are you thinking that there's an influence of trying to make it more closed closed versus open or you think it's the opposite well um I, I think it's more of an option to, they want it more closed because when it's more closed it's more controlling uh, I'm, I might be wrong on this, but it's you just I, I kind of walked away with that feeling. And, you know, we've we've seen undercurrents of this for a long time. Um, but I, I just don't think with RSS being the equalizer here that that's ever going to be possible. I don't think they're going to, you know, that and maybe what triggered it was is everyone's looking to sign uh, talent, sign content. I you know, every person that came to the booth looking for content, looking for content, looking for content, looking for content. And, um, and we don't control the content. I mean, no, if you look at our, no. both of our platforms, we don't control the content. We're just a tool provider and distribution provider. And when I tell, and, I tell people, yeah. I don't have no one signed. They're my customer. They pay me for a, a service, but I don't yeah. control their content. And people look at you like, they give you that look like, how's that? They, 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 it almost like their mind explodes and they say, how, how's that possible? <laughs> So, so, so yeah. I have a question for you guys. Five, I've, I've heard the number of 550,000 podcasts out there, or podcasters, and not all of them are active right now. But so what percentage mm -hmm. of the 500 or whatever the number is are actually making enough money oh. to, um, to, to make a living out? Well, let's, let me give you the active number. The, I think my slide said that there was 109,000 
shows that have created at least one episode within the last 90 days. And if we go and stretch that out to a year, that probably pushes us to, to 125. So let's use 20% is of active shows right now. Okay. So of that 100 and let's say that 109,000, what do you think, Rob? 10%? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the industry is trying to change that with these more, you know, programmatic ad platforms. I know that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to open it up and provide revenue to more podcasters, but yeah, it's probably 10 to 15% probably. Yeah. But even from the beginning of time, from the beginning, when we started doing ad deals in 2005, let's just be frank. Some people got gas money. Some people got dinner money. Some people got Mm -hmm. car payment money. Some people mm-hmm. got house payment money and some people got quit your day job money. Yeah, you know, right. there's, there's multiple layers of levels of earnings here. Um, so 10% of podcasters are making a living at it. Well, okay. Making a living, making money. Let's say 10%, 10 to 15% mm-hmm. are making money. Those that are, are actually like can quit their day job. Ooh, maybe yeah. 3%. Okay. So 3% yeah. of the podcasters can quit their day job. 100% of the people on the air and radio are making a living at it. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, but, 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 yeah. The, but, the talent, the, the talent, <laughs> the talent is controlled. The talent has to do programming in the talent, right. in the talent. And that comes at, that's the price of having a full time job. So, yeah. Uh, well, but there is a whole nother side to this, Ed, too. And that's, there's a lot of podcasters that don't have the goal of making right, money directly right. from their show either. Yeah, there's um, at least sixty. There's other business models in podcasting that is different than than, than radio, uh, and that's um, the donation model. There's also just doing a podcast to build your your expertise in your area of uh, of business. Um, building customers, building customer relationships that translates into other types of transactions. So that is not directly related Mm -hmm. to the podcast. So there's, there's probably another, and I don't think Todd, we have any kind of an idea of what percentage of the podcast community is making revenue off of um, other products and services. I think Um, it's probably another 10 or 15% or maybe 20%. Yeah. 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 It's, it's probably more than are making money off of advertising would yeah. be my, my guess. Yeah. They put, they use it as part of their, their funnel, their sales funnel, um, you know, to get clients and to get consulting and yeah. So it runs the gambit. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, uh, again, you've got a lot of folks that are also just hanging out with their buds or their girlfriends and, Sure. doing a show just to talk and they, they don't care. And there has always been three categories of podcasters, the hobbyists that they're doing it for fun and having a great time and build great loyal audiences. Number two, it's the kind of the middle of the road guy that's got a day job, but yet he's doing a podcast twice a week and he's, uh, you know, he's getting some money to take uh, the significant other to dinner or whatever. And then there's the third group that's the, you know, they're in it. They know what they want to do. They're focused and they're, you know, they're building Build audiences build, and yeah. building a business. They're spending money on advertising, they're marketing, yep. they're, you know, doing all those things a normal business would do to, to, to build revenue. So if you guys had something that you wanted to say to all, uh, I always ask people this at the end of an interview, if you had the 40 most powerful people in radio in one room and you had a chance to say something to them, what would you say to them? I think that it's time to invest in this space, uh, but invest wisely. I think the model that we talked about at the very beginning of the show, Eddie, I didn't tell you 
what to say, but I think you came up with the analogy right. You've, there's a lot of great talent out there. I, you know, you look at where I came from. I worked on airplanes in the Navy for 25 years. You know, that, that was my background before I pulled up the microphone. I had no clue. And I'm not necessarily uh, the most uh, well-spoken. I destroy the English language on a, every 30 seconds here. But there's a lot of great folks out there creating a lot of great content. And I think the radio folks are well-positioned to take advantage of that. I, I, that if I was going to invest, I would, I would find shows that you love, line them with each station that fits. If it's a country station, then you need country-related shows, gun shows. If it's a hip-hop uh, station, then you need to align with some uh, folks that are doing uh, interviews with artists. And so you know, there's this whole litany of content that they could tap as the minor league. Let's use that term. And people are going to get pissed I said that. But let's use that as the minor league and move them into the, you know, using part of the farm. If that was radio, that's... If I was a guy with a little budget, a little, I'd do that. It's easy. Well, and also, I th- yeah, and also I think radio has a role of working with the 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 business side and working with advertisers and working with agencies to get them to to change a little bit of what they do um, to make it more make the 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 business and the content that they create on the advertising side to be more compatible with. Um, the on-demand world, on, on on the digital world, which is different than broadcast radio. So I think that, that they have a lot of, um, uh, I guess, reach and an ability to work with advertisers and ad agencies to start shifting more towards um, more authentic ads, working with hosts, getting getting um, getting those folks to start thinking differently. I know that the, a lot of the podcasting networks and platforms have been trying to drive this message to the ad agencies as well. But I believe that the radio folks have a role to play in this too, to get these agencies to start thinking about native ads for podcasting that are more compatible with podcasting. Cause you know, as we move into this programmatic age and I know that's what we're trying to do at, at Vox Nest and Spreaker is to drive um, advertising campaigns into larger groups of shows. We, but we need to have um, ads that are more compatible with the medium. It, and, and that's key. I think as you look to the future, but if, but if you look Rob at what radio it did has done this, the podcasting did not event. In, in any way did not invent live reads no yeah, not at all you know, no i agree let's, let's, you but know, for it, some reason we still keep seeing these these uh yelling in your face ads you know um th- that are coming out and going into radio and and i think that's part of the the change that needs to happen here but if you if you take you know if the reason why and i, and I tell media buyers this all the time and they just stare at me when i say this because they, they just don't believe it I tell them that, okay, if you think about a radio market, let's think about a guy here in Hawaii. His name's Rick Hamad. He does a morning drive. I don't know what his market share is. Don't care. But he's a popular guy on the radio here. People have listened to him for years, and they trust him. And when he says, hey, I'm, we're having a, Ford's having a sale. I went down and drove the whatever. I need, you, why don't you guys go check that out? That was an ad, but it was an endorsement. People in the audience say, hey, Rick said the car was cool. Let me go down and check it out. And then they run some other stuff intermixed in there that you know that Rick isn't endorsing. You know, it's just some uh, remnant ad or whatever that's running some, you know, Viagra product or whatever. But um, 
if you have the the podcasters with these small niche audiences have the same power as these local radio guys. And I tell the media buyers, I said, the smaller shows actually, actually have more performance than the bigger shows because they have more intimate relationship with their audience members and the audience right. members trust them. So, but yet the media buyers are so focused on the top three or 5%, they're leaving hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars of advertising uh, it, revenue are just yeah. on the floor. It's not, it's so much content that could be uh, it's just, it drives me insane, but well, well, and it's unduplicated audience too. Right. So, I mean, that, that's the other thing that I think I'll, the industry doesn't um, think about sometimes is that, you know, if, if we could figure out a way to run campaigns across a thousand shows, which we used to do a lot. Yeah. Right. Um, then you're going to reach a, a much larger audience base than right. if you're focused on just running campaigns on three to five shows, which is typical, typical. Th- three to five shows where you're getting 20 spots a month where you're running on a thousand and you get uh, four to 5,000 spots a month. You know, it's, 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 yeah. it's, 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 it's the radio model, but using the podcast, uh, um, yeah. because you want know, his radio, you get four spots or five spots an hour, you know, uh, yeah. But, well, Todd, but I can Todd, say you're 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 voicing the same frustration the radio people you're voicing the same frustration the radio people have with media buyers. We hear it all the time. So I was just okay. it felt like I was watching a radio executive oh, right here. That's funny. Well, yeah. I mean, I think thing. we're all in the same, same boat. Thing. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think you know that's what's going to drive this medium forward is is to it, is to empower the content creator to. To contribute to this now, granted, there is an opportunity I think for talent reads to come into play here too a little bit more. But technology is is going to be part of the solution here, and I think it is um, kind of the responsibility of Todd and I to play a role in this um, as well, right? And how do we effectively and efficiently manage um, campaigns? You know, Todd's been trying to solve this problem for years of trying to manage campaigns across a thousand shows, right? And yeah. cater to all the needs of the agencies that they they want to review the 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 live reads. You know, any changes need to be able to be easily communicated across large groups of shows. How do we technologically solve this stuff? And I think we're all working on that. And it sounds and, like the same stuff yeah. a radio network has to go through. And, right, right. Because, same stuff. Yeah. Because guess what? Podcast or radio just being delivered digitally, in my opinion. Right. Well. That's true to a certain degree. Yeah, to a certain degree. We don't yeah. have we don't have a commercial every three minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different, and the content's different too. And there's right. less less time restrictions. Yeah. There's less um, being forced into a certain kind of um, genres of content. Um, I think there's less control, and I think that's one of the things that radio needs to grapple with too. Is they're used to controlling this, but they're but they're also radio has been kind of like a hit driven medium. Um, podcasting is not really, I mean, it is, but it isn't in some ways, right? We're trying to gather audience, right? We're trying to gather as much as we can. And the only way to do that is to have enough variety and genres that will appeal. So, whereas yeah. I think the radio model is if, if you take, you know, I, 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 the, the Cumuluses and the Beasleys and, you know, they're going to get big teams. They got a lot of smart people. Um, and I'm looking at the, and I know that the, the day and age of, of small owners where they own 10 stations is, is, is lagging. I know there's not that many left, 
and then maybe Ed, maybe you can tell us how many of those small station owners are across the country. But the, I think for those folks when they're trying to survive and pay the bills, I think podcasting to me, I, I would sure. be in it with vigor and finding talent to, to fill, to fill content in their, in their hours of content that they have to put online. Sure. They're syndicating rush and all those other folks. Um, but why not syndicate some of their own content? Well, the majority of the radio stations are owned by small, small groups and mom and pops are 10,000 radio stations out there. And so my question is who's pitching them from your side? I mean, is somebody out there pitching these shows Are these folks going out there pitching them these shows, <laughs> this show should be on hundreds of radio stations. Yeah. We, we go to NAB, we go to NAB and we talk to as many of these folks as we can, but, uh, you know, yeah. we all run in different circles. So I think podcast movement right. is helping close that gap. Sure, for sure. You know, and people like you can get the word out and say, hey, you know, this is this is what you need to pay attention to. You know, I, I think, sure. were you the one that wrote the piece that uh, was talking about, um, oh, I made the rounds the other day. I, I'm, I think it was a Radio Inc. article. Oh, gosh, I don't off the top of my head. It was basically it, broadcasters, we told you so, and now you're finally, <laughs> maybe it wasn't, what was it? Oh, I'll have it up in the show notes can't remember the total topic, but I had to laugh because I read through it. And I was like, yep, 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 yep. Same with the same ironies of you don't, don't miss the boat this time. Yeah. Did you, um, <laughs> when you were at the event then, Ed, did, uh, as far as the, you know, I know you said in a lot of the radio sessions, how did you feel that content came across? Because it, some of it was being uh, talked by the radio folks. Did they have very many people on from the independent side as well? Um, let's see. I think, yeah, I think, well, I, I think it was great watching Elsie, uh, Escobar, um, uh, moderate a panel of radio executives, uh, because, you know, <laughs> a lot of, uh, I don't want to offend anybody on my side, but a lot of the times, you, you know, it's, it's kind of scripted when the executives are up there and it was nice for her to get up there and say, uh, you know, just put it all out there and them have an honest conversation. So that, that, I thought that was excellent. That panel was excellent. So yeah, I think there was a, a good mix of, podcasters getting uh, on stage with uh, the broadcasters and, uh, and and trying to work together. Um, you know, a lot of the times, I, I maybe this was just me, but a lot of the times you, you the podcasters would talk about things that go completely over my head, and I, I could see some eyes glazing over too because uh, from the radio folks, they're just trying to start to get into it and understand mm. it, and you guys have been doing it for so long. Sometimes, Todd, I'll be watching your show with Rob, and you guys will be talking about things that beginner beginner there's no way the beginner gets it. so it was i think it was good for them to be there i still think there should have been more people there and i think you're going to see more people there in orlando uh next year because i mean when google says they're getting involved and spotify is involved and um, uh i saw the interview with you guys uh, with the google guy and he said that their goal is to double the amount of uh, podcast listeners in x amount of time well mm -hmm. That's a big deal. Big and, deal. Uh, yeah. And if, if they're going to get involved, it's only going to get bigger. So what was the Edison number? 17% of the consumers yeah. listen to podcasts. Yeah. That's still a small number. So on only, a weekly basis. Yeah. Yeah. On a weekly. Right. Yeah. Did you, were you able to get into the, um, when, when the Google rep, but Troy was up there talking uh, during his big kind of, it wasn't a keynote, but it was in the keynote room. Did you get to Kyle? listen? Kyle, to Kyle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah, you get Kyle. to? Did you get to listen? Uh, 
Yeah, there was, you know, that, that uh, session, there was a couple of things said that made my eyeballs bulge a little bit. And, um, <laughs> well, you know, I, I think, uh, I think Google has left on the table that they want to compete, um, in, in a big way and that they may, um, they could be a disruptor to uh, companies like mine. And, uh, if they so choose to now, I don't know if they're going to do that or not. Um, but you know, I, I have to be prepared if they do. So it is a, um, it's interesting time. Uh, Google having been out largely on the sidelines for many years. And when the 8,000 pound gorilla comes up, it's everyone's excited about it. But, uh, I'm going to tell you straight up that a change could come and, uh, and they're serious. So I, it's good. And at the same time, well, it's good for content creators. <laughs> Business well, owners you, might have some challenges. I mean, if you look at Google's history, you can certainly draw some conclusions that uh, that is definitely a possibility. I mean, look at what uh, YouTube did to the video industry. Um, I think it's it it is a potential disruptor as well. Um, and we'll see if that plays out that way or or not. Or the strength of the medium has built so strong as an independent medium that no one company can come in and do that to the medium. We'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, but you know, Google is a, you know, a very large elephant, um, that just walked into our room. So, but, but I also look at yeah. as, as a rounding error right now for the amount of money being spent, you know, we're only at 300 well, million. That's, that's probably <laughs> the only thing that saves us, Todd. That's right. <laughs> I but, did get the impression that more people were concerned about Google than they were about radio. I did get that impression. Well, I, I that was a very uh, large back channel, back uh, post show, uh, having a cocktail discussion point. And yeah. there was another um, company out there that was discussed pretty heavily too, um, which we probably will get into a little later once. I don't know how much time you've got here, Ed, but the um, I think that. Uh, yeah, Google is definitely uh, is going to move the space here. And it'll be interesting to see how Apple responds to this, too, because Apple is, uh, you know, they've, they've had a, a free run here for, for 14 years um, or 13 years because they came into the space in uh, July of 2005 with the introduction of podcast iTunes, which was an inflection point. So I think with Google, they're going to definitely be another inflection point. But the true, you know, what will really be the true indicator is, you know, I'm watching. We're, we're going to watch month to month and see if they start moving the needle. Um, if they move the needle, um, and then the, the needle being, do I see their Google Podcast app and do I see Android share starting to, to close the gap? You know, I see them start um, adding, adding numbers and also uh, gaining on percentage. If they add 2 million people to the space, that number should go like this and in Android being, uh, you know, two thirds larger than the uh, iOS audience. If this happens and we'll, we'll, I guess we'll see over the next year. I mean, Todd, I think that it's, it's going to happen. Um, I just not sure it's going to happen as fast as I think we're concerned it's going to happen. Um, and I'm not sure why, you know, it may be it. I think it gets back to a lot of what Ed said very early is that is that it is complicated for people to figure out how to how to do this. And I think um, certainly Google, by putting discovery into Google search, you would think would simplify it. But I also think that maybe the complexity of of their solution um, maybe goes over the top of certain people's heads. Um, well, I mean it, it. I mean it appears to be simple, but in practical terms, I. 
it's hard to communicate exactly how to how to make all that work. Well, that he, app is not default installed on on Android. No, but here's the great equalizer on Google.com. If 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 they do this, let's say a search for my main show, Geek News Central, and on that little header up there it says all news, mm -hmm. videos, image oh, shopping. Yeah. If they add the link podcast to that, yeah, yeah. If they yeah. if they add podcast there or audio, yeah, oh, it could change. It, it could change. No, it yeah. could. It will. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're talking about you're talking to a guy that uh, relies on Google for a large percentage of his audience growth every month. Yeah, yeah. you know, so uh, that that's game over. Boom. <laughs> well, like uh, like I mentioned when uh, Kyle was on the show, you know, um, Google has it's, had it's, audio it's, it's, up it's there Zach. before. It's Zach. It's Zach. Not Kyle. We both got it wrong. Yeah, Zach. Sorry. Yeah, yeah Zach. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> Um, I don't know why I'm thinking Kyle. Yeah, I was thinking but, Troy. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, right. Um, but but Google in the past, and I'm talking about in the mid 2000s, had audio up there. Right. Um, and and they they dropped it because people people just didn't use it to find content. Um, there was a lot of content that would come up there because back in those days, it it was kind of like um, you know, people posting MP3 files, right? Um, and streaming links and things like that were the hot thing back then. Um, but, but I did get a sense, um, when, um, when Zach was talking about, um, you know, adding that up there, he seemed to be intrigued by it. Um, because I think it would drive, like, like you say, it, it certainly would drive a lot of, um, traffic to, to the medium. And I apologize for those of you on YouTube right now, uh, definitely having uh, some internet connectivity issues. The stream is still there, but it may not be as good a quality. Well, um, guys, it's, it's okay. I, I, I got to run. Yeah. It's all right. I, I'm going to work on the syndication thing, though. I promise that. <laughs> I, 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 I think that would be wonderful. I think, uh, you, you know what, really our job, if anyone, you know, and Ed, as far as listening to the show, if you go back to episode one and listen to all 200 and now 15 episodes, you just get a PhD in this space. So it's Rob and I cover it all in, in oftentimes colorful, uh, <laughs> sure. passive aggressive type of ways. So it's, um, yeah, it's definitely good content all the way back, but I don't know if you could handle, listen to both of us bicker for 300 some hours. <laughs> well, thanks guys. I appreciate you having me on so much. It's, it's been a lot of fun and I look forward to doing it again. Thanks Ed. Thanks for okay, being here. Awesome. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Yep. Thanks Ed. So, interesting perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was one that, that was needed given what we saw at Podcast Movement. Um, I think a lot of people were asked, I think there was a couple of articles that came out um, talking about, you know, how podcasters are a little bit, you know, you know, I guess cautiously interested in, in uh, why radio is having such a big presence now. Um, so I think it was good to kind of, you know, I want to bring those worlds together. I want the, the radio folks to embrace the podcasting side and I want the podcasting folks to embrace the radio side. And, and we all kind of talk together, hang out together, spend time together. And, um, and hopefully this, this divide that still, I, I think somewhat exists, um, starts to drift away. You know, I, 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 I take exception to the, divide we 
Well, okay. Well, it's a perceptional there's, there's, there's thing. A, there's, it's a perceptional thing. Is what it, it is right now. Yeah, it's I, not in reality. But you know, it's also they haven't been hanging out with us for ten years, so that's some some of it too. Well, I have been, and I know you have been, right. but I'm not sure that most of the podcasting industry has. Right. So yeah. Uh, so should we talk about the uh, the other company that was talked about it to show a lot? Well, sure. We can talk a little bit so about that. So talk about uh, the pitch. You, how did you like that 45-minute pitch? No, no, no instruction. How did you like that 45-minute pitch from Anchor? Uh, well, it was a little surprising to me. It, it certainly, <laughs> the title of the session didn't represent that it was going to be uh, an Anchor VC pitch. No. Uh, but that's that's kind of what, what it was. It was kind of a VC pitch minus the financials. Right. Um, so it, it was all about that. And I'm not sure that that really is what um, Dan and Jarrett want at their event. So, I mean, it, it doesn't, I mean, it was really curious. I mean, I was curious to see what they were pitching and what they were talking about, but I'm not sure that that was cool with podcast movement that he did that yeah well i um i'm sure they'll go back and review uh the 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 recording of that event but i think that once they got into q a and anything is i'm sitting in the back i can't ask the questions i wish i could have gave someone like 10 questions to ask (laughs) because the questions were uh, they were frankly horrible um you know from addressing uh, some of the concerns that they have, but they even a few of these, you know, who owns the content, that type of stuff. And, you know, they, they, you know, they soft padded it all work, creator community first and they, da, 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 but it sure is not spelled out that way in their terms of service. He can use all the language he wants to describe how they're a, a creator community yeah. first, but they couldn't even, they were talking about the reuse and what happens with the reuse and ownership rights on that. And he couldn't even, he didn't have a story straight there. So, um, cause there was a couple of lawyers in the room and asked some questions. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you got to respect what they're, what they're attempting to do, but well, they're, um, they're attempting to be a disruptor is what oh, they are. Yeah, for sure. Um, um but I'm still free, take a different approach. Yeah. I'm still concerned about the, the creators out there. Um, and also the, you know, it, you know, as I've done my internal analysis on what's going on over there, um, I'll just say this. It would be a good exercise for someone that had some time to go out and look at how many um, pod-faded shows there is, the percentage of pod-faded shows in their network. I think that would be a great exercise for someone to take. Um, it's probably a story that they wouldn't want being published. Yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a complicated thing, and you know if you think about um, Anchor and Castbox is another one of these. Well, Castbox um, is an app. I'm yeah, Castbox no, I, is is a and actually it's yeah. a decent app. Well, no, I'm not. What I'm trying to portray here yeah. is that whenever you get venture capital driving these companies, right, they tend to drive towards uh, rapid and fast growth, which means that they're they tend to be a fast burn kind of situation, right? And that 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 term actually applies to how they spend their money too um, because they're trying to grow fast because the expectations of those investors is hockey stick growth, right? right. So you look at um, what Anchor is trying to do, they're basically coming into this medium as almost like a little bit of a wrecking ball, right? They're coming in and, 
and challenging all of the conventions that has existed around um, how things are done in this medium in the effort, as they said up on stage, to simplify, right? That's their, that's their justification for um, breaking everything, <laughs> is, is that they want to make it easier for people to, to create a podcast and publish a podcast and get it out there and get it, get it faster. There's, that's, that is a two-sided edge, right? I mean, it cuts both ways for them. You know, you make it easy, then more people come in, more people uh, produce content, but maybe they weren't as committed to it as, as what probably they would like. I would think that, you know, a, a, a fast burn of their users is probably not good long-term for their investors. I think it's, it maybe look good from quarter to quarter, but maybe it's not good in the long run. I think if you, you know, when the, someone made the revelation that they're hosting their media on S3 and I'm like, why would they do that? That it's not a CDN. It's uh, cost prohibitive just to host media on S3. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyone that's in the podcasting business that has any type of true volume, and I'm talking about hundreds of terabytes of traffic, would never, I mean, that's just like giving someone free money over at Amazon. Um, yeah. that just the sign that they're not in, again, and this is third party that said they're using S3. And I, in, if that turns out to be wrong, I would not even be surprised in the least because it doesn't absolutely make no sense to me whatsoever. But mm -hmm. if they are using S3, that tells me they have no bandwidth bill. Um, and that's why the comments that they made in their 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 blog post that their customers are costing them like a penny or something you know and if that's because that, nobody's listening right right it's not yeah. in it's there's truly no bandwidth being used you know when yeah. you when, when, when you get to the point where you can't pay your bandwidth bill with a credit card and you have to do a bank transfer let me tell you something that's a, that's a bandwidth bill Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Okay. The, yeah. the, that's that's yeah. real money leaving your bank account, uh, yeah. sometimes on yeah. a weekly basis. And yeah. uh, if, if, I, if I was on S3, Rob, I would be out of business. Yeah, right. And then and they, the CEO of the company um, got up on stage and said that uh, they're, they're not focused on listening. They're, they're focused on creators. What? Yeah, that's what he set up on stage there because he got asked that question, right? Um, he's not focused on the listening side. They're focused on the creator side. Well, they're focused on um, the creator side in the end, the upcoming monetization that they're going to want everyone to opt into who supposedly right. can. But the problem is, is if they're, if nobody's listening, right. that monetization strategy is not going to work. Right. And they, of course they have no bandwidth bill then. It, 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 so it's, yeah. it's like. You know, little tell, you know, we say these kinds of things where it's only costing us a penny a customer. And I went back and I said, Angela, how much is each customer? What's the average customer cost? I can tell you it's a, it's a, a lot more than yeah. a penny. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, come, let's be real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, we I do, mean, and don't, yeah. don't, you know, for those of you listening, don't get me wrong. We get some economy of scale. When you get to a certain point, your, your cost per gigabit goes down. Yeah, there is that, well, yeah. but I paid that yeah. price multiple, multiple years yeah. to get and, there. And, and many in the podcasting space, and I, I'm one of them as well. Um, I like somewhat the idea of what anchor is trying to accomplish. They're trying to take out friction 
out of the content creation process. They're, they're trying to bring new people to the medium to create shows. Um, I, that is certainly one of the things that he communicated, the CEO communicated sure. up on stage is that they're trying to bring new people to the medium and, and build their platform based on new podcasters. Right. And, and but yet at the same time, I also have seen them, um, start to go after shows that are hosted on your and ours platform. Yeah, right. Right. They, they've been trying to poach shows to move from our platform over to theirs. And, and I mean, to some degree, everybody in this medium does that kind of stuff. Yep. So it's not necessarily I don't unusual ever, or I don't go yeah. poaching though. I never go poaching. Well, I don't even know what the word poaching means. Poaching, I mean, poaching means, yeah. Hey, Hey, uh, uh, Johnny, uh, I yeah. see you're over on Rob's site. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm going to give you some incentive here to come over and be on our site. Oh, I think that goes on all the time. Well, I don't do that. Yeah. Um, I think people are trying to build their businesses and if they can offer something that's unique and different, then, uh, I think that's one of the things that's really, uh, if you back up and you look at the high level view of like your platform, Libsyn and our platform is that we all have our unique characteristics, right? And if a podcaster, um, likes those unique characteristics and it fits with their publishing model, then they choose based on that, right? Um, so, if they're using WordPress, then you're the best solution. If uh, Lipson has their unique characteristics and Spreaker has theirs. So, so Eileen um, said they said their their average cost is ten cents per customer. So, so what that really means is is that how much bandwidth is that? So that's <laughs> one gig. That means one gig, <laughs> one gig of bandwidth on S three. So that means that there are no listeners. One gig, come on, average of one gig per customer. <laughs> well, and what are they, what are they delivering the content at? Because I mean, a lot of those content creators are producing the show right in their app. Right? Yeah, I, I don't know, but that's, you know, even so, an, even an, uh, for this show, that would be one gig would be, I think our show size ends up being about 60 megs. So on the audio side. Yeah. yeah you know, so yeah, t <clears throat> 10 cents. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what the future of anchor is. I mean, Man, we'll we've see. seen com companies like this, um, come into the space, um, try and do some things and they wind up burning out of money or they wind up going away. We've seen it happen so many times over the years. Yep. I don't think you and I want to see that happen in this medium again, um, where there's a group of platforms that kind of burn out and disappear necessarily. Cause it, it kind of paints a, a dark, you know, marker on the, the industry. The only um, reason I'm still here, Rob, is we were slow and consistent and we didn't. Yeah. Well, you, you actually built something of value and you got paid for that work. Right. Right. I mean, it's the same thing with the, you know, with our platform too. And Lipson, we're, we're operating based on real revenue. Right. And that's, <laughs> that's sustainable. Right. We're not that's, operating off of venture capital. Right. Right. And, and that will mean that we're going to be here in the long run. Right. Um, these other companies that are just starting out, they may or may not make it. I mean, that's th just the reality. I mean, even look at SoundCloud. SoundCloud's managed to survive, but they don't have a strong business model. Mm -hmm. And that's always been the big thing that's limited their, their viability in the long run. But he did say something interesting that I, I kind of caught. They're, they're oh, putting it did? Yeah, or, their CEO, whatever his name oh, was. Yeah, 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 the CEO. Yeah, so he said that they're building monetization. That's the priority right now. 
Uh, they're building that platform out and they are going to give podcasters the opportunity to monetize. And I'm thinking, and, and someone asked, is that going to be opt-in? And that was a yes. So that means they've got an economy of scale issue there too. If they don't force monetization, no yeah. one wants ads if they have a small Unless, show. Yeah. Unless they're going to make some money at it. Right. So, and he said for the community, we hope everyone does that. Of course, because it's going to take the entire community being monetized to pay for, to, you know, pay for their model. So, Mm -hmm. um, we have yet to date see a podcast hosting company uh, survive using an advertising model alone. Yeah. So, and then one other big thing that he talked about up there too was, you know, he got challenged around the terms of service that they right. have. And one of the big topics that he talked about up on stage, so we're not disclosing anything outside right. of what was discussed, yep. um, was this concept of derivative content. Mm-hmm. Um, big issue. Which I think, yeah, which is something that uh, really no other podcast hosting or distribution platform has really tried to do in this medium. Though that is a concept that's fairly accepted in places like social media and Facebook. So when you get these, you know, these little videos that Facebook makes of your posts from the past. So they like to do this kind of like this historical view montage of stuff. I believe that's what um, he's talking about. He's talking about taking your audio content and creating derivative works. Um, which which creates an exclusive type of um, relationship that you as a content provider have with that platform, um, and I think that that's that's something that hasn't been done in the medium because all of us have been respectful of the content creators and say we're just going to be a tool for you to create your your content and a place to publish it. We're not going to take your content and do something different with it or make it available to other listeners to cut up and to use in any way that they want to use, but they've, they basically have created an environment and I don't know, Todd, maybe this is something we should all be thinking about, right. Of helping podcasters create derivative works. Is that something that the industry needs to support? Not just, um, not just anchor. Well, I'm just going to ask the audience that are on Facebook live or on YouTube. If I was to take uh, and change our licensing agreement so that your content would get cut up by us, by us. And then we distribute it in any way that we want to. Would you be acceptable of that? You know, that's that's the question. Eileen yeah. says, I think you misunderstood derivative content. If someone leaves me a message on the app, I have the right to play it in my show. No, the derivative works goes beyond that, Eileen. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly part that's of part it. That's part of it. Uh, but... I- I wouldn't call that a derivative necessarily works. I would, you know, it's content that they auto generate on your behalf and make available to whether it be other platforms. And so let's say you're a content creator on this platform and you want to move to, let's say Blueberry or move to Spreaker. Can you take that derivative work that was created out of your content? The supposedly, uh, in the terms of service, the company says that you own, right? Can you take that somewhere else? Right. And that's what begs the question, do we as other platform providers in this industry need to support derivative content now? 
uh, well, if that's he, the long-term goal here. But he they, they he couldn't answer his own legal question on the derivative works, on ownership yeah. and all that other stuff. That yeah. He was confused yeah. himself. And he said, well, let's get with together after the show and get that answered. Yeah. So Greg says, if you pay, maybe. Mike says, no. Um, so two responses to that question. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's it's an interesting, you know, I understand what they're, the and, and if you look at the reason that well the re, the license is written exactly because they want to cut that content up and yeah. create derivative works in order to do that they have to have the licensing agreement that they currently have yeah or it could be clips it could be they could generate auto generate based on um copyrighted license um, graphics um, a video version of your show, yeah. they could, um, but if you, um, but there's so there's many, lots of things that they could do. But if you look at like the team from audio burst, I love what they're doing right now. Yeah. Um, you can take and have a clip, a segment, you, you as the content creator control that and you create a, a, mm-hmm. a 15 mm-hmm. second or 30 second or one minute clip that they create a Facebook video for that you can post. And it's all these little tools to do some self-promotion, but yet all mm-hmm. that leads back all that leads back to your home site there in, in their, their goal is to um, be able to have this type of uh, these mm-hmm. clips and derivative works going into Alexa and different, sorry, I just triggered your devices, smart home <laughs> devices. Um, so, you know, that, you know, and, and, but you're also opting in to do that with them, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's a, it's a tool. A and cool I think tool. It, I mean, it's not a bad idea. I, I don't get the wrong impression on what what I'm saying here that, that that I think that these are bad ideas. I'm I'm all in favor of terrific ideas in this medium, um, but you know, I think where they're missing the point is is that the basis of this medium is around the creator's control, right? Creator right. is in charge. The creator owns, and you need to be consistent in that view. Uh, you know, when you come out and say that the owner owns the content, well, you need to live up to that promise. And, and what it feels like to me is that they're, they're taking license with the ability to make things easy or to, to make things so simple that, uh, the content creator loses control. And when you're on Instagram, you're on YouTube, that content doesn't drift too far out unless you allow embedding and if you allow social sharing on those sites it stays in within those ecosystems it doesn't spread too far youtube yeah. maybe more than anybody because it could be embedded on a website somewhere yeah. um so that experience stays within youtube but you still can't cut up content on youtube yeah and you can't copy and, someone's image on instagram uh and and, ma- and make a derivative work of it Correct. And he did talk about this concept of, of, um, being able to use major label music in your podcast (laughs) that would only be available on certain, um, listening platforms. So let's say you're a subscriber to Spotify, right? And you've, you're, you're getting content, um, from Spotify music content. Uh, and let's say anchor gets a license with Spotify to say, Okay, um, for shows that are only distributed on Spotify, you can use major label music in your podcast because it's only on Spotify and Spotify is paying licensing rights, right? Mm-hmm. So are, are, this is another derivative content question, right? This, yep. is, this is exclusive content that would be generated 
um, by Anchor and distributed to one listening platform based on a license that exists between um, Anchor and Spotify. And that would give you the rights to use copyrighted music. I think that's you an know, interesting it's, concept. It's an interesting idea, but it's not something, um, you know, it's, it's a completely different uh, way of thinking about creating a podcast. Yep. Right. So, so it's I, a good it, idea. So anyway, yeah. there was a, uh, you know, a little crowd in the back of the room. You know, and we're, we're yeah, listening. There's probably we like, what, 10, 10 or 15 people there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that were, you know, all listening to what they, what, what, and let's be frank, we're looking at what they're doing. All of us yeah. are. We have to. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's an interesting move. So time will tell on where this all pans out for them. But, um, but free hosting, um, all of these new ideas, which um, are I think they're interesting ideas. But, don't, but, don't get me wrong. But it when but remember, nothing is for free. <laughs> well, you are the product, right? Well, not necessarily you are the product. Something else has to pay the bills. Something has to pay the bills. Companies don't survive without revenue. So you know, so what is that revenue? The revenue well, is monetization. Where does that revenue kind of come from? Is it well what are the typical events that happen around venture capital funded companies, right? They shift. <laughs> they, they either shift their business model, right? Right. Or they, or they burn out of money yeah. or they sell to a bigger company. Right. right? Well, Those are the only, only other two options that you have. You either build a real business. And who's, and who is a major investor in anchor, Rob? I, I, I believe one of, one of the major investors is Google ventures. Oh, yes. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah. So we need to talk too much more about that. The puzzle. Let your mind wander on that well, one. The puzzle, the puzzles start to come in place. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's well, only you, speculation. You never, you never know. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I said, I know you were in Philly, but sitting in the back of the room, remind me of the broad street bullies. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were like a, what like a pack of wolves? We were, we, of we're room, all, we? we were whispering back and forth. Yeah, yeah. kind of funny. Yeah. So yeah, but um, and we honestly wanted to hear what they had to say too about the licensing stuff because you know it's very unusual and uh, well, it's the first first ever like this. So you know that's well, I'm not sure a lot of people. You know, a lot of people didn't go to that session, so maybe oh, they don't ha have a glimpse of what what the real strategy is. Yeah, here maybe we're he, we're giving he, he laid them, it out. Yeah, we're giving yeah. lots of free advertising here for them. So, well, we are, <laughs> we are, but we got to be honest. We want to talk about everything. So, all right. So, those were probably two of the big gorillas that we talked about. It was in discussion points. Um, lots of wheeling and dealing going on. Uh, lots of people, I'm telling you, I don't know, Rob, did you, you, you know, everyone's looking for content, <laughs> you know, even, even, uh, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, everyone that is in the advertising space, content space, Hey, have you got content? <laughs> yeah. What, what do you have? Like, can I, can I get a list of your shows? And I'm just, it just again and again and again and again. Yeah. Um, yeah. and of course, if you look at AdsWiz made an announcement about their partnership deals and a disclaimer, we're doing some stuff with AdWiz. We're part of that announcement. So was Libsyn and a few others. And um, us, uh, we were included in that yep, as well. Yep. Yeah. And VoxNest is doing their thing. Podbean's doing their thing. Uh, Wide Orbit's doing their thing. The only people that weren't there was Triton. Triton was not in the house. Didn't see them. 
Uh, well, I saw John uh, John R- R- Russell was. Oh, there. you saw him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I must have missed him. Yeah. And then uh, a lot of small boutique uh, folks that are having a small bevy of shows, 60, 70, 100 shows under their wings. Lots of those looking to expand, looking for tech solutions. Um, so that was kind of on the wider business side. There was some major, um, let me see if I can find it. Um, there was a major, uh, company there. Um, <laughs> and I'm, do you have to watch the video? Um, there was a, a major, a major company there that was talking to people too. Uh, what are you showing us, Todd? <laughs> I'm showing you a mobile phone oh, from okay. a specific vendor. <laughs> oh, like a, uh, well, once you mention the vendor, can you? Uh, yeah, I guess there's no secret in it. Samsung was there in force. Oh, 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 Samsung. Okay. Yeah. They were there in force. They're talking well, to people. Well, so was Apple. So yeah, Apple too, of course. Um, they were there as well. Yeah. So, Google was there in force. I think they, they had nine people there. Yeah. Uh, Spotify was there with a, a couple people that I know of. Yeah, I didn't talk to any of the Spotify folks. Yeah, hmm. I talked to Dossie and Robin were there. Um, so so I'm, there yeah. might be, and I heard a rumor, and I, and I don't have this verified yet, but Spotify might, keyword is might, be working on an, a solution for self-hosters. So if that's the case, that's good news for self-hosters. Uh, but it, it, I don't have any confirmation on that. I and I didn't get it firsthand. I got it third party. So, well, that would be a big, big issue for what you're doing, right? Oh, it'd be fantastic. You know, we, yeah, we've always said that uh, there's a you know there's a big chunk of podcasters out there that are on the sidelines. They can't get in. Yeah, and uh, we were we're content you know content creators first. Uh, so anything that uh, Spotify can do to open that up, I think is is good. Um, mm-hmm. do you see any Pandora folks? I did not. Me neither. But I'm sure they were probably there would be my guess. But um, I, I didn't meet with anybody. Yeah. What about iHeart? Oh, iHeart was there in force. Yeah. How many people yep. did they have? Uh, minimum of, I think two, three people. Yeah. I saw yeah. Chris, I think. So... Yeah, there was a Chris yeah. and Maddie, who's a new hire. Uh, yeah, there to work with local affiliates um, on the podcasting side. Yeah, and then of course, uh, you know, how much traffic did oh Talkshoe they relaunched some stuff at the show, and they've got mm-hmm. a they've got a new owner. It's a completely different group um, over there. Don't they relaunch at every podcast movement? I I, I don't think so, but I think they oh, added. I thought they did last year too. I think I they, they added video. So that's, this year they, they, that, they did. Yeah. That's yeah, the rumor rumor I heard. And, yeah. th- and then, um, you know, talk show is an interesting model. Um, and I've, we've had a long time relationship with them. Of course, not with the current group, but you know, their model really was based upon that Iowa telecom exchange where you'd call in and, uh, that's, they did the shows over the phone and their revenue model was from the, um, the per minute, uh, revenue share that came back from that Iowa telecom, same thing like free conference call and so forth. Mm-hmm. And there's a small loophole there that it's a local and there's some sort of fees they get back that mm-hmm. makes it pretty lucrative. So talk shoe, uh, uses some of those same exchanges, I think to, 
uh, for their product. Then, uh, yeah, the Westwood guys. How much traffic were they getting to their booth? And to be honest with you, their signage was horrible. Any thoughts on the well, Westwood? They were trying to recruit talents, what they were trying to do. Yeah, did you, I didn't get a chance to see how busy their booth. Anyone see? Did they even talk to the Westwood folks? Anybody that's on the show? Uh, did you guys talk to Westwood at all? Uh, I did not actually spend any time with them. Um, yeah, I just didn't yeah, I hang didn't out with them. Yeah. yeah. So overall, though, um, I think the top number was 2,500 was the registered number. I, it felt well over 2,000. Yeah, I think it's, you know, another number that I saw throughout was about 2,300. So I, I haven't gotten confirmation from from Dan exactly what his counts were. I don't know if well, you, there was, you know, I haven't talked to him since the event, so. It was definitely, it definitely felt like more than 2,000. You looked at, I you know, went into the keynote room and just that, it was wall, wall to wall. There wasn't, a, you know, hardly a seat available. And then I walk out of the keynote room and there's still a massive crowd. And I'm like, yeah, there's, there's 2,000 people here at least. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's one heck of an event. Holy cow. Yeah. And like you said, my voice is still recovering too. Yeah. It's it. It's, it, it's coming back. A lot of new podcasters, a lot of people. There was a good mix of folks that haven't launched a show yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so next year it's going to be down in uh, Orlando. In, in, in the middle of August. When's hurricane season in Florida? It's in the fall. Let me look at the... I think it's right now, isn't it? I think this is... Well, it could be starting up now, yeah. Hurricane season Florida. What month is hurricane season Florida? Uh, the least active month... On a worldwide scale, May is the least active month. September is the most active... June 1 yep. to November 30th from late August through September is the peak. <laughs> oh, Dan, man, you guys rolled the dice there. August. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be hot and, and humid. Yeah. It yeah. is. And they actually are at risk because those type of events, Mother Nature is not, they don't get a, most of, those, most of those venues in Florida, they don't give a refund if there's a hurricane event. You still, I don't know if they, have to, if they buy insurance or what. So, uh, but anyway, Orlando in, in August. I don't, what, did they say what the reasoning was for picking August? I mean, for picking Orlando? Was there any? I, I, I didn't hear anything. No. Hmm. Well, Though I think that they're they're working their way back to Texas is my guess. Interesting. I think that's probably going to be their next uh, next event after that. My guess, I'm just totally guessing. I don't have any inside information. But well, there was it was a definitely a different crowd. There it was East Coast centric this year. It was definitely you could yeah. there was I mean there was so many people. I I'm like don't know anybody and a lot of people. You know, here's the thing too. A lot of people that didn't know us. And you, that to me is like, whoa, really? You, you're in the podcasting space yeah. and you don't, and they, yeah. they, they didn't know who Podbean was, didn't know who Libsyn was. And just, I mean, really, it was like, wow. So, yeah. And the, there was some new hosting platforms that, um, you know, invested a lot of money in visibility at that event. Mm-hmm. 
some brand new ones that are also venture capital based. Yep. So, so it's, it was a good event. We're, I mean, we're crazy long, Rob. We're two hours and 15 minutes already. Um, I know. Well, so, hey, we told you it'd be a long one. Yeah. Anything else from the chat room? Did we missed anything here that we should talk about? I'm just, you know, there was so much. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, Rob, I heard that uh, Mike met you guys and that Mike was, I left Thursday night, flew home to see my mom, but I heard Mike had a, be out at, leave the hotel at 4 a.m. or some ridiculous uh, time. To, we were still up. And yeah. you guys met him at the elevator or something. You guys were still in the bar or something. We were still in the bar talking till at 4 o'clock in the morning. No, it was like 3.30. I think he, yeah. Oh my something God. Like did, yeah. Did you run him out of booze? Well, we, <laughs> I didn't drink at all the whole, the whole event. I didn't have any drinks. Um, but, but yeah, we just, you know, Rob Walsh and I and and a group of other folks, we just stayed up really late down the bar talking. So what what did I hanging out? What did I miss? What was the last what did did you guys what what conspiracies, what uh, evil plans did you guys hatch in those twelve hours? I wouldn't say that there was any evil plans hatch. It was just one one of those things. It was the the last night before everybody was going (laughs) home and everybody was just hanging out together and you know, Dave Jackson was there and and uh, Rob and and a b- bunch of other podcasters. Um, so we were just hanging out, you know. It's like going home the next day, you know. It's it's not unusual for us to 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 stay up pretty late on the last night. Yeah. Um, just hanging out with people because that's like the probably the last time we're going to be able to do it for a year. Or so. Yeah, and I had a I had to go see my mom for a couple of days, so I busted out. Being that we weren't exhibiting on Thursday, and I got done speaking, I I I rolled. Yeah, it was a little weird having that whole last day completely yeah, off. Yeah, I, I kind of felt lost a little bit, um, to be honest with you. Just kind of yeah. standing in the hallways. I'm not used to that. Uh, yeah, right. Not having a base to interact with people, but that's yeah. the day you need to have like this flashing billboard, come talk to me about podcasting or something, you know? Yeah. Well, I hope that Dan hears the feedback that we we'd like to go another, at least another half day on the third. Yeah. Day. Yeah. I agree. So, or two thirds of the day or whatever, like till 2 PM or something. Um, at, at least cause it, I do get a sense that a lot of people didn't make it down to the exhibition. Oh, there was, I a heard lot. that feedback. Well, I yeah, got I feedback. feedback. I, I, the feedback yeah. I got was you guys are done. <laughs> you guys right. are closed up. We didn't know you guys weren't going to be here today. We're going to come see you. That's, I heard that a number of times. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people didn't read their, I think they're looking at their app and maybe didn't know that it was, it was yeah. So yeah, Dan, they'll sing the three days, please. Yeah. yeah. I, that's my so, vote. Yeah. Okay. Well. well, all right. Well, we can wrap it up, I think. Yeah. Um, just from a scheduling standpoint, uh, I'm looking here at my calendar. Um, I start travel, um, Rob, on the 19th, which is a Sunday. And we'll be uh, two weeks uh, out, but I should. Uh, so you're probably going to have to host the show on the 25th and the 1st of September. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to be out of the pocket. I'm going to be at uh, DragonCon in Atlanta. Um, that's on the starting on the 29th through the 2nd. Okay, so um, so I'm on three panels at DragonCon. All right, so we'll plan on doing. Uh, 
two more shows here, one on the 25th, then you'll host, you'll be out for the September 1st show. And then uh, I should be good uh, for a couple of, maybe for five, six weeks, shouldn't have an issue. So, all right. Well, so anyway, we got lots to I, talk about. I might be out that on the 18th. No, 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 no. In September. I'll, okay. We'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah. So I'm, I'm good for the next uh, two weeks. Sure. Okay. All right. Good. All right, everybody. This is a monster show. You know, it would be love to hear your feedback. It's uh, Todd at blueberry.com. Rob. Uh, you can you can find me Rob at uh, Voxnest or Rob at Spreaker dot com. Of course, I'm at Geek News on Twitter, and you're at Rob Gilly yeah. on Twitter. Yep. So, uh, yep. love to hear your feedback on this one. This was a lots of content. Please, please, please subscribe if you haven't already. Share this yeah. with your with your fellow podcasters. We want more podcasters listening to this show. And if yep. you have an idea for a, a guest we should have on, uh, please let us know. Uh, we, oh. we respect all our guests we bring on and yeah, I'd love to hear their. Well, I'm looking at just to let you, let everybody know I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get Spotify on the show oh, and great. then the other one I'm, I'm, I'm going to invite back over is, uh, Mr. Rob Walsh so we can get him back on the show and get his assessment of what happened at podcast movement too. I don't know if we can get him on next week or yeah, but that'd be good at next week would be good. Yeah. 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 But Spotify, so, that should be a hot one. Yeah. <laughs> all right everybody yeah. we'll see you next all time right. here on the new on the new media show that's how you search for it in google now new media Just show new media show <laughs> drop the the yeah it's it's <laughs> gone all right everyone we'll see you next time we'll take care okay uh, bye aloha bye-bye